Hey everyone, it's Barry, Paul, and Joe back here um, with another edition of the Chair Shop Podcast. Before we kick into the show proper, uh, we did want to follow up on last week's show. Obviously, we, we opened up at the top there with the very sad news of uh, our good friend Scott's passing. Uh, uh, very, very sad. Very tough uh, couple of weeks here on this end uh, as we uh, uh, sort of think about that and, and reflect on everything uh, um over the last two weeks, uh, it's been quite tough. Uh, but uh, I know uh, now that you know, Joe, Joe's back with us this week, we wanted to take a little time here at the top of the show just to reflect and uh, share a story and a laugh or two uh, about our uh, great time with Scott. Because the thing is, it's one of those situations where, as sad as we are, it's been a great chance to reflect and think back on the nice times and the good times and the uh, positive effect, I think, that was mutual there between the four of us. It certainly made me, it's humbled me a little bit to kind of stop and think about, you know, Scott listened to our show every week and he emailed most weeks and he contributed so much. Um, and it, it did make me uh, uh, proud in an unusual way to just think about that dynamic that we've had for a few years um so it certainly puts a lot of things into perspective um um in a good way uh, in, yes. in a weird way it's very odd it's very odd to to when when any when any time a friend passes on you always look back on your your time together and the milestones and the laughs and the tears and all this stuff but it's so unusual to do that when it's through the lens of a podcast we do very odd to to do, but um, it's it's also been been quite fun to remember. Um, so yeah, so we we said we we kick the show off here uh, uh, kindly. Joe, obviously, welcome back. Um, uh, we didn't want to do too long of an intro, but it was just the two of us last week. Um, so I don't know if you wanted to just uh, uh, before we we jump into some some other bits and bobs, you wanted to just uh, uh, say a thing or two. Well, I was very sad and shocked to to learn about Scott, and I kind of. You know, I'd seen his posts on Twitter that he was he wasn't very well, but then he'd been through surgery and seemed to come out of it. So I was, you know, I sent him a little message, say, "Hey, all the best. Hope hope it goes well." Um, so it was a shock, but he's. I was trying to think back, you know, over the the years of us talking to him, but it's been so long I couldn't even really remember when it started because I think he was there from the very beginning, really. Um, I, I found a tweet from like 2012 that he was tagged in. Oh, wow. So, you know it. I know I can't remember what we did on this podcast 10 years ago. So obviously I don't remember talking to Scott 10 years ago. But I know he was always there. And I remember when, God, I don't, this is, this is a really long time ago. I don't know if you remember when we used to do like competitions. We actually used to like give stuff yeah, away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We, like, we gave away some books, like some other stuff that, that Barry had. And I know Scott, uh, won a few of those often because he was the only entrant. Yes. Uh, so, yes. What, a, what a technique. I mean, fair play. You have to respect it. <laughs> Find a podcast where you're the only person you can <laughs> to enter and you'll definitely win something. Um, but yeah, but then since then, obviously became the unofficial kind of fourth member of the show, the the, the fourth Beatle, if you will. That doesn't work because mm. there were four Beatles, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's the only person really well, that's, that's been on the show other than us three since the very early days when we used to occasionally get a, get another little guest on. Um, and I always really look forward to his, um, his quizzes, uh, his fantastic kind of quotes that he mm. would note down and 
show kind of <laughs> how much how much attention he paid to the show and also how little attention we pay when we're doing it <laughs> with our yeah. terrible performances yeah. yeah and i think showed his kind of great sense of humor as well because he always found some fantastic quotes to, to put in there and he was also like it was someone very helpful you know he'd always tweet an email when we you know we were discussing something he'd always put his mm. his opinion in there for us and that's kind of how I, you know, obviously I noticed something was wrong because usually you tweet tweet the, the chair shot account, you know, every, not every day, but, you know, multiple times every week or you tweet me quite regularly. So obviously we'll miss, we'll miss that as well. But yeah, it was, a, it was a good lad. And from everything I've read about him, someone who helped others a lot, mm. was very kind of selfless and, uh, yeah, always kind of worked hard and uh, very sad, but we'll, we'll miss him. Yeah. Well said, Joe. Um I just want to mention quickly here, uh Joe, you you have the honor. Uh you were the last Scott McAvoy email. Mm. Uh a very funny one. And I, I think a very apropos subject line, good laugh last week. <laughs> uh he said he got a good laugh out it was when I was freaking out that AW were calling it a battle royale. <laughs> yeah. I think I think yeah. more than anything, that's kind of the perfect summation of the kind of the relationship we had with him. Yeah, <laughs> that that was the, the 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 thing he got a kick out of and, and emailed. Uh, I have to admit, I got a good laugh at Paul last week. He spent a good five minutes complaining about AEW calling it a battle royale instead of a battle royal, and all I could think about was this is coming from a guy who pronounces film as film. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, Scott, he made nine guest appearances mm. over the years. I think his first one was, I want to say, episode 150. So he had been he had been listening since at least 100, I guess, because he had enough yeah. enough content to give us for 150. Um, I I did briefly consider taking over the the quote duty, but I thought it would, it would be a pale imitation. Yes, I, I, I prefer to yeah. to retire, mm-hmm. you know, retire the jersey in his honor, so to speak. Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, Brona suggested uh, doing that quiz and and naming it in his honor, but I had the exact same thought you would, which is none of us would be able to do that uh, uh, in his in his stead because, no. like, the the great thing about those quizzes is Scott had a phenomenal memory and attention to detail. We absolutely don't absolutely don't and that's been a running joke since the earliest days of the show is we couldn't remember what we talked about three weeks ago four weeks ago five weeks ago um uh so yeah i think i think yeah retiring the jersey is a nice metaphor i think that's uh yeah i think anyway a lot of the things that he found terrifically funny are were double entendres and stuff like this that we wouldn't even pick up on as we say it you know so Mm -hmm. it it wouldn't be the same um i did get a nice email i want to share absolutely if I can get through it. Um, uh, it's from Will, who's equally is, is one of our very good friends. Yeah. Um, he says, hi, I just want to share my condolences for the passing of Scott McAvoy. Um, CSP feels like something that has been there in my life, rain or shine. And Scott was a big part of that. He played his role uh, on the guest appearances perfectly <laughs> allowed you guys to be funny. Thanks, Will. Um, <laughs> uh, I always enjoyed his glee at the double entendres of old show quotes. 
your pronunciation of film. There it is again. Uh, and his pick ones. Thanks for everything, Scott. Will. So that was a, a really nice uh, email from Will there. So I said, I, I also had um, uh, one of my friends, Stephen, who I know listens, reach out to me on Facebook. I hope he doesn't mind that I'll just quickly, uh, God, find his message he sent me. Um, yeah, terrible news. Always love the quiz every 50 episodes. Seemed like a really nice guy. You know. So. Um, I mean, that's something that I already, obviously, without getting too much into the nitty gritty of the details, because obviously, you know, Scott's business is his own business. We don't want to get into too much about it, but um, I was talking to Scott's sister mm-hmm. uh, a little bit on Twitter just to pass on, um, you know, one thing I, I, I wanted them to know was that he had a, a wide reaching impact. <laughs> To us idiots, you know, on the other side of the world. Yeah. Uh, us fools and our dumb podcast. Um, so the fact that these these messages are coming in, I think, just just really reinforces that. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've said it before. I've always said it is that, you know, um, especially in times like this. Um, for me, if I can watch TV or I can listen to a podcast when I'm going through something tough, um, I really appreciate for the people who who make these things so that I can enjoy them and, and kind of you know get away from everything for a minute. Um, obviously our podcast is is <laughs> I, I know I, I self appreciatingly call it like a fucking stupid podcast or whatever, but you know it's the joy I get from the podcast is mostly talking to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but also. If, as Will said there, and I know other people have mentioned that over the years, you know, if someone's having a bad time and they can listen to us, uh, you know, argue about if the raid two is any good or <laughs> you know whatever, whatever we you know we do, if someone can listen to that and you know, for two hours, it, if they're going through something tough or they're having a tough time and they can be pulled out for out of it for two hours and kind of get away from it, you know, I've always said that's the biggest compliment you can give me. Mm-hmm. And I think I speak for us all. I mean, <laughs> obviously, I put I put um, a bit of work into this this podcast, but CSP is all of our our. It, we're the three parents of this one um, weird child. But <laughs> you know, um, if anybody has any kind of enjoyment off the back of this, you know, like I said, there's no greater compliment you can give. And to to an extent, Scott gave us you know the best. I don't know, you know downplay anybody else but scott gave us like the best example of that of how how this little thing we do can touch other people's lives as well so yes i don't think i have much more to say yeah i think that's uh i think i think i think that's been uh, i think that was very nicely said um yeah and i i do want to say as well you know uh tough tough few weeks on the pod and and obviously just just uh Thanks for to Paul and Joe for holding the fort two weeks ago when I wasn't here and, and the news broke. I know that was very tough for them to find out. And also, you know, I, I Paul obviously having to edit these tough old episodes. Do you know what I mean? That's a tough. That's a tough uh, day at the office. I, I I found it last week especially. I found it pretty tough to come on here and even just do our, our, our brief little message. Um, so I know it can't be easy for you. But, no. um, well, but to yeah. be fair, what I found the last two weeks is as I, to my point about people listening to it. I mean, doing the podcast the last two weeks 
helped I know it helped me personally. Yeah. With 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 dealing with it. So you know, there was an element of of Scott would have wanted it. You know, totally. Scott would have wanted us to to do the podcast and put it out. But also for from myself, I don't want to say selfishly, but personally, uh I know us kind of going on with it, having our chats was certainly the equivalent of me listening to a podcast to get away. So hmm. So I say thank you to both of you guys. It was uh, very much a, a help to me, so I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, and I think I think that's I think we can uh, we can uh, put a bow on it there, and we will um, uh, uh, not just not just for this episode and last episode, but you know, every every episode that we do from now on, we will we will have Scott in mind. That's that's for certain. He's intrinsically linked with this podcast. Uh, we'll miss his quizzes. We'll miss his humor. We'll miss his. Uh, We'll miss everything uh, uh, about it, about his friendship, but uh, he is a part of us uh, and this yeah. show in particular uh, forever. So uh, this is not just a case of this episode is celebrating him and his memory. This podcast will always be yeah. uh, fondly remembering him. So one last time, Scott, thank you so much for everything. Yeah. For, for the next 30 episodes before we knock it on the head. No, <laughs> Yeah. I, I've watched all the movies, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that, so there's no more for me to talk about. So, <laughs> oh, breaking news: Dynamite's cancelled. Oh, what raging! <laughs> Vince McMahon is giving up wrestling and going into show tunes. What? Oh no! Oh dear. Anyway, thank you very much, Scott. It is the 566th edition of the Chair Shop Podcast back on our, I guess, like semi-regular spot of Monday night. We are like, we are like AEW Rampage at this stage. Who knows when the show will be recorded and come out. Just, just refresh your podcast feed. It'll be there by Tuesday, usually. Just that's all you need to know. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Barry, with my ever dependable co-hosts. First of all, we have Joe. Hello, both. Hello, everybody. And of course, Paul. Oink oink. Oink oink. Is that your Wardlow impression? Piggy. <laughs> uh, the boys are back in town as we we are wont to do. We've got a, a, a jam packed schedule to uh, get to. So I don't want to waste any further uh, uh, time because I want to get into um, uh, the the uh, uh, the meat and potatoes, including if he did eat any meat and potatoes of Joe's Joe's holiday. Uh, so rather than me babbling uh, here and doing an intro about what well, it's Monday, what day is it? Uh, let's cut. Let's nip that in the bud, Joe. <laughs> what did you get up to? This is it. We're, we're cutting the fat. We're getting straight down to the the chat on the show from now yeah. on. No one needs me um, to muse on the number. I never plan it. It's always terrible. Let's let's just cut to the chase, Joe. Poland. What's going on over there? Poland, mad. Um, they do have a lot of meat and potatoes. Yeah. Uh, if I'm honest, the diet. The, the food not too dissimilar probably to kind of british and irish t- traditional food potatoes bread uh, stuff, various stuff, so yeah. f- various fried and roasted meats mm. um they also have a what they call a pierogi which is a little dumpling type thing you know it was good it was good we did go to a traditional polish restaurant one night uh that was enough <laughs> and then the other night <laughs> the other nights we had 
burger and steak. <laughs> oh, lovely. Steak and chips, please, when I go abroad. Thank you. That's what I'll be ordering. Um, yeah, so I was there for three three days. It was a lot of fun. It was a stag do. Uh, there were five of us there. Um, and we did the kind of stereotypical stag do stuff. So we did go go-karting. I also went go-karting. I, I listened Excellent. to last week's show and heard Barry's kind of summary of the go-karting. And my experience was quite similar. Um, I didn't have too much trouble getting out of the, the go-kart, to be honest. Um, okay. Yeah, I think Barry's a bigger lad than me. But I, I am not a driver. I've never driven. I did a few lessons once when I was about 17 and that was it. Yeah. But I And I actually find it driving a car even a go-kart is quite difficult like just to, mm. to get the steering and the brake and everything it's it's quite nerve-wracking when you never drive and you never like operate a vehicle um but you know i gave it a good go and it was it was quite fun and i was happy i was like yeah i'll let everyone laugh me i do not care i'm not trying to win any kind of race here <laughs> i'm just good. trying to i'm just trying to get around the track we're like, the so real you, winners we're the real go winners around. What? you go yeah. around me go around me and i'll enjoy my little drive around the track yeah it's not um, f1 mate what are you doing <laughs> no people take it very seriously but yeah and and barry mentioned the kind of trick is to not really break like you just you have to keep going fast and just slow down on corners without breaking knew i got to the corner <laughs> pop, pop the old handbrake on had a quick look around okay we're good undo the handbrake <laughs> slowly go around the corner and then speed up again that was my yeah. technique um, so yeah, I wasn't fast, but I did get around the track and it was, it was okay in the end. Um, we, we did three goes, but I did actually sit out the third one because I was on the verge of throwing up, to be honest. Oh, I think the, the constant kind of like round and round and round of the tight corners just gave me terrible, like car sickness and, and nausea. And we'd just eaten like, uh, f- filet, mignon, filet mignon and uh, steak and I also had uh, an entire garlic bread to myself uh, just before we went so oh, that's why I felt sick but um, other than that it was okay um, a little bit more fun but also terrifying we went to a shooting range Whoa. Um, and when I say a shooting range I mean like real guns not, yeah. not, not pretend stuff I mean like lead bullets being fired from big heavy guns um, now I've never heard a gun. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard a gun being fired before. So when we first walked in there, we were being sort of told, you know, the safety rules and everything yeah. in the structure. And there was another group kind of in the second bay who had already started and you can hear their, their bullets fire. And it's just like, bah! it is so loud. Like you, you wouldn't imagine what, like it sounds like in real life. I don't know if you guys have ever heard a into a shooting range or anything like that, but it is incredibly loud and terrifying when you hear a gun go off and a, a bullet being fired. So I think we were all a little bit anxious about doing it. Um, but then once we, the, the guys there were really good and they, they don't just give you the gun and let you get on with it. They stand there next to you mm-hmm. while you're firing in just to remind you like how to hold it and what to do and everything. So they kind of relax you a lot. So it's actually a lot of fun, but yeah, we I had to go on, uh, six different guns. So okay. there was there was a Glock. There yes. was a three fifty seven Magnum, which wow. got a hell of a kick to it. There was an Uzi. Um, oh my god! Which was actually the most fun to use because there's no like recoil at all. It's almost like using a kind of pellet gun. It just you're just <laughs> firing off bullets with with ease like a water pistol. Um, so those were the smaller guns, and then we moved on to the Kalashnikov the AR15 and the P2 
pump action shotgun. <laughs> I didn't realize you could do all this shit in yeah. continental Europe. Wow. Yeah. They, they, I don't know what's going on in Poland, but they they let you do this kind of stuff. I was, saying, did, um, was the bazooka the next one we ran out? Of? <laughs> it's funny. Funny you mentioned that because when, when we got there, we bought like the, the deluxe package or whatever, and the best man who was you know within the group was like, "Oh, do, does that come with the bazooka?" And these two Polish guys just sat there like. Is this a job? <laughs> Just completely stony faced. Oh, you are FBI. Hmm? Yeah, you want to know if we have a bazooka? You hmm? think you're a funny English man? Yes. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, Since you ask, here is the laser from Goldeneye on N64. <laughs> it's very good. Um, yeah, so we did that, and we had it was kind of like one round of ammunition per gun. So it wasn't okay. like we, we weren't there for hours. It was probably like 10, 15 minutes each. But. Yeah, it was it was quite fun. I don't know that I'd do it again, um, but I, you know, at least I can say I've done it. I have yeah. shot a gun. If anyone asks, have you ever fired a gun? Uh, I can say yes. And also, you know what? I feel like if I was thrown into a war zone now, if someone gave me a gun, I kind of know. Yeah, what I'd be like, yeah, just sure. If if you get the itch, Joe, next time you're in. Uh, the US just walk down to the corner shop. Just go to Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> One gun, please. One of your finest bazookas, please. Thank you very much. I didn't get to use it in Poland, so it's funny because I I did when I went to the US for Mania. We were like the guys were like, "What do you want to do? What's like activities you've stuff found?" And I did say, "Well, I was like, well, I in terms of things I can't do here, I'd like to go to a range, kind of like what Joe's describing." But the funny thing is, when you live over there, and if you don't like guns, but you're surrounded by them twenty four seven, they just didn't see the humor in that, and they didn't. Really you want to do it so i was like okay i won't push that that topic but yeah i guess i guess poland's on the uh, on the uh, poland's on this, agenda yeah. um, it's also scarily easily to actually use the guns like it's not you do not need to be a marksman to hit the yeah. target like we were all hitting the target pretty well like getting sort of seven eight nine ten you know it was like a kind of circle it was, it was the outline of a body but with the, the circles on it and uh, honestly with all the guns we were hitting targets i mean <laughs> it's scary how accurate those guns are but yeah probably won't do that again but it was a good experience and finally this was the probably the scariest of the three um uh, activities we did we did a horror themed escape room okay now i don't know nice. if you've ever heard of this but obviously you know escape room you're in a room you start yeah, yeah. cues you get out of the room etc it was kind of like that except uh, <laughs> you were in a room with actors kind of dressed up as various horror movie characters and you had to escape from the room while they were like not attacking you exactly but but trying to frighten you so for example the first well, loud and mac 10 did they instead of I mean, fucking dad's english boy well <laughs> what oh my god so we're, we're about to go in right and the guy's like oh you know asking us a bunch of questions he's like well i see you are stag do um do you want us to tase you while you're in this? <laughs> <laughs> i said no thank you that's right <laughs> Um, okay, so we, just baseball bat. It's good. It's fine. You know. <laughs> uh, just uh, cheese grater to testicles. Okay, <laughs> yeah, soft package. Okay. Ah, yes, the new Jack special. We the, the Western uh, Western European package. I see. Um, <laughs> so, and we were like, okay, so we volunteered the stag to be the one who got tased while we were in there. And, uh, we were like, okay, just tase him, not the rest of us. Oh just my him. God. Um, so you're sat in this in this in this escape room, and it was kind of set up like a, a seance almost. So we're all mm. sat around this table together, waiting for something to happen. It's there's all these kind of spooky portraits on the wall, 
And, and I know, Joe, the one thing you love is, to be is supernatural horror. I love supernatural horror. <laughs> and suddenly, like, the lights go off, right? Yeah. And the lights are off, and we're all sat there going, well, what's going to happen? And then the lights kind of flicker on. And in the corner of the room, you can see someone just standing there like this, like the like the woman from the ring kind of thing, yeah. just standing there like this. And then the lights go off, and she, you hear someone moving around, and now they're suddenly on the other side. And then they start banging the table like that. And you're like, oh, like you're, I'm sitting there thinking, look, I know they're actors, right? I know they're <laughs> actors. I know they're not actually going to do anything, but I am still shitting myself <laughs> with this person, like, oh, standing yeah. behind you breathing. That was probably the best one because then you, you get it's not really an escape room in the sense that there's loads of clues. Like, it was quite I was gonna, easy. I was gonna ask, I was like, you're describing this terrifying experience. I'm saying, oh, okay, um, uh, I, I, uh, I have loads of feathers, but I do not fly. What am I? <laughs> it was a little bit like that, but it was basically like one clue, and then there was a key on top of a shelf or something. Okay, so yeah, it's fairly, okay. it was quite easy to, to solve. It was just like dealing with the horror, but then you go, through, we went through this like tiny little corridor. And you can see that there's like a panel and you're like, I'm not walking. Pa- I'm not going to be the first one to walk past that fucking panel because I know someone's yeah. going to jump out and grab you. And that's exactly what happened. And so you go through this little corridor into the next one and then someone's got their arms coming through the wall. And you're like, oh, my fucking God. <laughs> and you get through that one. And then suddenly we were getting chased by a bloke with a chainsaw. <laughs> he was literally, and it was a real fucking chainsaw as well. I don't Maybe they'd taken like the teeth off. I, I, I assume they took the chain off. It wasn't like Terry Funk. And a real danger. But it was like a genuine, you could, the noise of it. And you know, it's just a, like a Polish out of work actor doing this. But when you've got a man with a chainsaw chasing you up a corridor, you run, right? Yeah. It was scary. So yeah, and oh God, it was all stuff like this. And it was... <laughs> Eventually, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. And then the final one was like the basement. uh, It was like a basement from Saw, right? So you're in this thing and it's like, Mm. there's a message like the key is in the basement or something. And we're all looking down these stairs into this spooky basement. And it's like, oh my fucking God. So we go down there and we get the thing and then we go back up. And then suddenly this like woman starts crawling along the floor and grabbing your ankles and running up there and oh my god it was terrifying uh yeah so that was that was the highlights of the the trip to poland uh we also did a, a boat trip but that was less eventful so <laughs> no yeah. chainsaw man other than that trip. just uh nah. no no Uzi, you weren't you weren't vice city out the side of it while you were uh, you know cruising along it's just yeah five star wanted tanks and <laughs> helicopters after us well i did nah, see yeah. on the instagram my favorite thing is joe having a, a little dance in a club oh yes. oh god yeah we went to this club that was playing like the kind of stuff that you don't really hear <laughs> over this side of Europe anymore. It was they actually played YMCA at one point. Excellent. I, haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't heard that for at least twenty years. Um, they played that song. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like that. Put your hands on my pants, and I'll bet you feel uh, the bad touch. Yeah, the blood those lads. Yeah. I've had enough of two hands. <laughs> Yeah, I'm out of so bounds. You want to rub it? Once you're covered by your Waffle House hash browns, coming quick then for next never reaching I was not expecting such camp uh, fair Classics. in Poland, but it was yeah, it was really, really good. A bit of pet shop boys as well. So yeah, Poland, good, good stuff. Ticked, uh, ticked that country off the list. So don't yeah. ever have to go there again. <laughs> Thank God wow. by the sound of it. What it done? Well, to be fair, it sounds like you did all the good stuff. You know, I did most of the good stuff. Yeah. Shot a gun, chased by a man with a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> Et meat. 
<laughs> meat. Um, I had a nice little time of the week. It was Natty's birthday. Lovely. On whatever day that was. The 11th. Wednesday. Um, got some nice presents. Uh, we were both working that day, unfortunately. I think for the first time since we've been going out, we neither of us were off for her birthday. Um, but we had a nice little day of it anyway. And then it was our anniversary uh, yesterday. So we went out for a nice lunch uh, to a local gastro pub. Beautiful. It was a funny moment when we arrived there. And I, I we were waiting for the food. And I just like looked at my phone. And I got a pop-up of like... Your your memories of this day, and there was one of us from a few years ago in a nicer restaurant. And I said to her, "Oh, I feel, I feel a bit mad now. We haven't gone to a fancy place." She was oh, happy. We both had good food and got very full. Uh, so that was very nice. Uh, and then, um, uh, the day before, I went on a big old walk. You would have been very proud, Joe. Mm. Uh, we walked to me and my brother to a. Uh, not quite so local shopping center. It was a 24.8 kilometer uh, walk there and back. Jesus. For a few hours. Uh, picked up a few little, we did a little bit of retail therapy. Uh, got myself a little, here he is. Wow. Now, now. For those who can't see on the, the camera, oh, it's. Oh, oh God. I did that one as well. <laughs> And I got myself a little... You got, a, you got to throw him off the top of the bookcase. I got that little kid who worked for Sting. It's Darby Allen with a little belt. Ooh. Put both of them on the top of the bookcase and then throw yeah, them off. Yeah, push them off. <laughs> <laughs> and I also picked up something. Uh, just on a complete whim. Because uh, we, we went to this shopping... I haven't been to this shopping centre in like a good 15 years. What? This specific shopping center. Oh, that specific one. Oh, okay. This specific one I've been in 50 years. Uh, we were in Eason, which is... W.H. Smith in the UK. I don't know in the US what the equivalent would be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Water Book store. store. Bookstore slash... Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble. And, Noble. Um, and I picked up this little son of a bitch here. Uh, Inside the ropes, man. Oh, yes. Um, because I had a you know, I had a little brief look on the inside. Uh, shocked how much it is just power slam, yeah, yeah. I've kind of wow, yeah, it is just power slam. Um, you know, nine out of ten articles in it are written by uh, by Finn, (laughs) uh, Finn Martin, who is the old editor of Power Slam. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, I guess he just um. They they do I I have I think I've read like one or two issues. They did Hoover up a lot of uh Power Slam and FSM people. Um, yeah. um them and the Fightful magazine, although obviously that's not in stores. Um but yeah. yeah. So you know, I mean it's nice that there is still at least uh one of those in Easons that you can yeah, you have by, you know. The Q and A section in exactly the same form like the same font they used to use. It's like exactly the same. What's going down exactly the same as it used to be. Do they still have that thing where it's like, what are people talking about on the message boards and social media? Or is that just too depressing these days? I don't know. I haven't got that far in. I haven't um, finished reading it. Here's April's most psychopathic tweets about AEW. You know. <laughs> 
I haven't got that far into it yet, but I will say I've, I've been very impressed by it. I, I was tangentially aware of Inside the Ropes as a you know company. They do like yeah. the Q and A live shows, the Q and As. Never had been interested in the magazine. I guess I just didn't really realize how how much of a spiritual successor to Power Slam it was. Yeah. Um. But I picked this up because I was just in a mood. You know, this is the same thing with the the Sting and Darby Allen action figures. I initially went into the toy store. I was like, oh, fuck, I don't, I don't need action figures. That's a, st- a stupid purchase. Uh, and while I was eating my Bunsen burger, oh, hello. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, I came, to the, I came to the realization, like, you know, at the end of the day, lads, YOLO. Mm-hmm. Uh, buy a Sting, buy a Darby Allen, buy a magazine. I will say now, and they do, they do address this on the inside of this little Attitude Era supplement that's on the front of it. Oh, cool. That... Uh, this is, this is issue 20, so they've been going for, what, a year and a half. Um, that the past few years have been particularly challenging for the print industry. Mm. Uh, the cost of producing magazine has skyrocketed due to paper and production costs, blah, blah, blah. So this is the first time they've had to increase the cover price. I will say, since I was a Power Slam, Power Slam, Power Slam. Power Slam subscriber, um, a magazine, not a, not a particularly uh, thick boy. No. €9.65. <laughs> Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, so so I'm sorry to say inside the ropes, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to drop nine sixty-five every month. Nah. Yeah. Which is once a the old the annual subscription through the website. Yeah. So the annual subscription through the website is sixty pounds a year. So that's, that's why eighty two euro or something like that. A bit more doable, but for twelve issues. So I, I did sign up for that. I Fair enough. That. You know, I mean, it's 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 tough because you want to support things like that, and I can't begrudge them the price because I, you know I don't think they're lying about inflation, lads. I've heard about this. <laughs> yes, pretty bad. Um, it is a lot, though. A tenner for a magazine, but it is a lot. It is a lot. I in mean, my head, in the heyday, okay, fair enough. I was I was buying Power Slam from like two thousand two until yeah. I think I stopped buying it just about a year before it shut down, maybe like 2013. Mm. But my in my my head, Power Slam was probably like what four euro, four four or five quid. Yeah, yeah, nine nine quid back in the day. That would have been like the official PlayStation magazine with the disc with the demo on it. Do you know what I mean? That was what you were talking back then, or like empire or one of those real you know top drawer top drawer magazines you know i mean we're Um, talking about to be fair you know another one to be fair it is i think it is more pages than a power slam would typically have had uh 46 pages yeah but um it's weird as well because i also bought a total a total film magazine which i used to read um the pages nowadays this true also total film this isn't a slide inside the ropes Pages a little bit uh, thinner than they used to feel. Not quite as. Uh, I'm assuming that's a green initiative thing. You know, yeah. uh, I, I, I imagine. Yeah. So I will say my 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 brief review of like the first half of the magazine, which I've read. I haven't, I haven't. I read the supplement in its entirety, and I've read the first half. I'm up to like page twenty eight. Uh, very impressed. Very okay. very impressed. Good. Obviously. Um, Joe, I know, like me, you were a, a long time Power Slam head. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know what it is. I, I, I just, I just find um, whether you agree with his takes or not. I've always found Finn Martin's writing style something that very much appeals to me. Yeah. Uh, his his constant gripes with uh, John Cena's punches and Chris Jericho overall, I've always enjoyed. Um, but there's some really good articles in it. There's a a very good, it's like six page article about like inclusivity in wrestling. 
which you know it would be very easy for them to just like list off black pe- black wrestlers don't get used or gay wrestlers but it's like a six page really deep look into like okay. the history of like as far back as like the start of the 20th century um, that's something you do you do really miss because all the only content yeah. i consume on wrestling is tweets in all honesty yeah. and and pay-per-view reviews i don't read articles about wrestling really anymore unfortunately no. occasionally voices of wrestling have something kind of interesting but nothing of that depth you know it's quite shallow stuff a lot of the yeah. content you get now not that's just in why, wrestling to be honest most most media that's why it was so refreshing to kind mm. of okay there's there's an element of nostalgia to it obviously yeah yeah but there was, there was just something nice because obviously you know wrestling magazines by the time the magazine re- is released and especially nowadays with the the model that a lot of magazines have which is that they they run on like pre-orders and things of this nature i don't know if that's necessarily the case here <laughs> but by the time the magazine is in the shops a lot of the news is not news anymore it's passe almost which is why it's nice to have some articles and interviews that are a bit more evergreen but um yeah, I don't know. Just, maybe it's just because I've been away from it for so long. But there's just something nice about having a little magazine. You, you're not listening to something. You're not watching something. You just sit down out in the garden. I don't read. Breeze through your magazine. You don't need to read all in one go. Little article. Oh, you know, talking about, um, you know, exclusivity in wrestling. Or there's like a, a, a quite a good review of WrestleMania, which just happened. Um, I would say very, very much I would recommend for anyone who was... Uh, a reader of Power Slam inside the ropes. That's not a paid advertisement. No, no, no. Just, this is the way we this reviewer's opinion. But I we was are, uh, we are the last ad-free podcast in the world. Um, <laughs> Unless people want to advertise, which case no. It, it, well, if it's like they're supposed to advertise, um, yeah. I'll take I'll take a free subscription if if since Paul's already paid for his, so you know I've already paid for it. Uh, WrestleMania 2000 review. Eddie Kingston brief interview there. Oh, class. Um, yeah, there's one thing that there is in it which which there wasn't before. They've moved some of the classic uh, features to uh, like the list of the champions, which they still do. You can see on the bottom of the page there. Mm. Classic staple power slam. That's now in the uh, back to the 90s section. So they rather than listing off the 900 champions that are around today, uh, WWF World Heavyweight Champion in May 92, Randy Savage. Okay. okay. Nice little nostalgia section at the end there. But yeah, I'm so far... Very impressed. the The price point is very high, which is why, like myself, it might be more beneficial if you're interested to go for the subscription. Um, but uh, yeah, what what was just a a, a whim purchase, uh, has has actually turned out to be something that I, I've found a lot of enjoyment in, and I will be getting that going forward for the next year. Excellent. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear it. You know, I I um. Uh, uh, yesterday I, I had quite a busy schedule, but I, I did take some time. Um, I had like a little bit of a, 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 a solemn tea break on my own in a nice little cafe in town before mm. I met up with everyone else. And yeah, as you were kind of talking about, you know, let's log off, let's not listen to a podcast. I was kind of like, I think I, could, I, I would actually appreciate having, you know, getting back into uh, reading a magazine. Because when you're reading an article on the phone, it's like, well, you just switch over and then you're back on Twitter and you're back on fucking Discord and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. So, you know. Maybe embracing the the you know give yourself an hour every day to like log off and have an old scroll of a actual physical thing you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Cody Rhodes on the cover there. Yeah, well, who else? Yeah, hottest uh, thing in wrestling. Uh, that's what else? All for my week. Although I know boys, a few of us watched a little annual tradition. 
that brings all of us in Europe together. Mm-hmm. Um, and Australia. And Australia. And ne- from next year, Canada. Oh, yes. really? Yes. Oh, too far. It's the Eurovision. The Eurovision. Uh, who else was watching the Eurovision apart from me? Oh, I was watching it all, all four hours. It's like a fucking WWE pay per view. Well, I watched I watched all four hours and all two semi finals oh, as well. I, did, I went the whole hog. Well, well, it's the only way you're going to see Ireland sing. So, Ayo. well, Joe, cut a little deep there, brother. <laughs> um, Ireland, interestingly, I didn't think were horrible this year, but one thing that Ireland don't do enough, in my opinion is two things. One, play into the Irishness. People love Ireland and all that. Get a little harp out or get a little green in your costume or a little something just to really be 10% more Irish than normal. You know, just really lay it on thick. Or alternatively, a little bit of campness doesn't hurt anybody. Um. So what Ireland put out this year, which is I think they've been guilty of doing the last few years, was just a pretty run-of-the-mill pop song. With like when it when we were watching it here, I said to Nathy, "If I walked in now in the middle of this and I said, who's this?' and she said, uh, North Macedonia,' I'd be like, mm. all right. Like there was nothing new- uniquely Irish about the performance at all. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's it fair." Was- very, it was like it was fine. I think, in fact, I'd probably go as far as say it was one of the better Irish performances, uh, maybe of the last five six years. But Eurovision, the songs that you see do well always have a little bit extra to them, whether it's a unique little instrument or a dance move or something like that. Uh, Ireland seemed to not really have a good handle of that lately. Um, I don't know if you'd agree with me as well. I think probably overall the weakest group of songs Eurovision has had in the last five, six years. Start to finish. Um, there weren't too many, too many bangers. Like too many bops. Uh, usually, you know, last year we had, you know, the winners, obviously Manskin with their big, their big hit. You also had, I thought Iceland were very good last year. I thought yeah. uh, with the little dance they did the 10 years, I thought Moldova were very good last year. Again, funny little song with a little dance was really this year only um norway who kind of did uh you know tick the boxes of of what the brief they were the ones with the, the yellow mm. bodysuits and they're like give your give your wolf, give your wolf a, wolf banana, a banana, banana or whatever yeah um and that didn't even do very well weirdly so yeah, yeah i just thought it was kind of a the, the most mundane eurovision in a while um even the rasmus who you know i like some of their songs i thought their one was pretty Run of the mill, pretty by the numbers. Um, yeah, it wasn't too much to be honest. That I, I would, yeah. I, I would add on the old Spotify, which is usually, you know, each year I would usually have about three or four songs that I'm given a, a few more rotations on Spotify. This year, not so much. Hmm. Yeah, not not so many good ones. But I, I did think the the UK entry was actually a step up. Big step above anything we've sent for years. <laughs> From last like, year's one, certainly. Certainly, yeah. It was a genuinely, you know, I heard it. I thought, oh, okay, it's a good, bit of a catchy song. I mean, obviously, compared to, like, real music, it's not any good. But for, <laughs> but for Eurovision, I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. And the guy's got a very good voice. He's like a proper yeah, singer. I agree. He's not, a, not just a novelty pop act. He was a very good singer. 
and just a very lot of personality as well. You know, I think he had a real personality that he brought to it, and that helps a lot. Yes. Um, when you're trying to trying to build that kind of relationship with the voters very quickly. So yeah, he did a great job and um, brought a little bit of respect back to the performance. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he did really well. It was very, it's more exciting to watch, obviously, when uh, you, you, you're rooting for someone as well. So that was that was cool. absolutely. Uh, so I'm glad he did well. Obviously, everyone kind of thought Ukraine would sneak it just because of obviously, the public reasons. Right. But yeah, but as, I think he did as well as he could do, really considering. So um, yeah, just as a show. I mean, there's a lot of talk around politics and all countries and don't like this country. But I think you send a good song, a lot of people are going to vote for it. You know, yeah, so at the end of the day, at the end of the day, people a lot of twelves. Like, yeah, he did very well. Few, a lot of douze points. Good, good few points there. Except for Australia, fuck them. But uh, anyway, <laughs> Ireland, well Ireland gave the UK the twelve. You know, Ricardo. Yeah, we got a few points there. That was very good, very good, very good. So uh, yeah, enjoyable show. And I like yeah, the I thought, voting. The voting is is really good. The way they. Do I think it. I think they do the voting the wrong way around though. You think the other way? The. Uh... I think they should start with what they end with now, but not mm. do it the public votes. I understand they probably do it because they want to let the public votes go a little bit longer. Yeah. But I would start with the jury voting. And just read out, and then go country by country. I understand it's probably not as exciting that way, but it's, it seems weird that they spent so much time on the jury vote, and then yeah. quickly breeze through the public voting. Here you go, and they win. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because you get the old traditional way was was interesting that just the jury type vote. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I don't know. It's exciting. I'll say as well, um, the UK uh, singer. What was his name? Something Ryder. Sam Sam Ryder. Sam Ryder. Yeah, I, I thought it was UK <coughs> UK's best performance easily for about five years. Hmm. Um, like you said, there was something more to it than like it didn't sound like uh, X Factor winners for a single. You know that that kind of template that those songs all they all seem to sound exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. There's something more to it. I will say though, every time he was interviewed, he was so over the top in in how much of a positive. Uh, outwardly positive person the kind of person you see and you think he is definitely evil <laughs> no human is that positive in real life um, no but I, th- I thought he did very well yes, certainly better than the Irish um, uh, Graham Norton as well if you're listening you turn coat uh, <laughs> licking the Queen's arse so he was the whole life is that an act was it <laughs> um he was he he was Barry. Let me tell you, as a fellow Irishman, he was given it the old the royal we talking about the United Kingdom. Oh, oh, oh Graham, oh, 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 that's controversial, Graham. Oh, I think you were given the key to Cork, young man, not not Buxton upon Mead. Okay, um, settle down there, settle down. I thought he was all right. I I seem to remember though that. Graham Norton, I, I know it was Wogan who did it before. I thought Graham Norton had more of a handle on Wogan's kind of piss-taking attitude to the Eurovision. In, I, didn't, no, I didn't watch this year, but in years past he did, yeah. But here he was a bit more earnest. I don't know whether it was because the UK had a chance of winning it this year. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. But it, it, he seemed to come off a bit more uh, legitimately fond of the whole thing rather than, oh, and here's another shite contender. It's Estonia, the old Wogan um style which uh, for for those who don't know in ireland we have a wogan type marty whelan who very much emulates that and more or less takes the piss out of it um 
But yeah, I don't know. I it is annoying can. that like our two best left and and do it for the BBC, you know. Nah, it is what it is. That's 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 you go from NXT to WWE sometimes, right? That's fair enough. <laughs> if that's the way you want to look at it. Oh Lord. Well, Graham Norton probably had one look at the RTE uh, pay packet for well, the Eurovision yeah. coverage and said, oh, talk to you later, fellas. Graham Norton's um, like, what's that? Is that to do like a little YouTube pre-show yeah. before it or something? Is this? Oh, my he God. Said, oh, I'll not be doing that. <laughs> God save our queen. <laughs> <laughs> Why, who's that booing? Shut up. Uh, get yeah. out of here. Well, I, I just want to say on the record, my favorite act was uh, Spain because the women had their asses out. Oh, what? you, you, points for me. Hello. Oh, wait, but I would have thought they all, does it, lots of acts have their bums out, men and women. Well, yeah. they weren't as nice as the Spanish ones. Were they all, were they, was it all very tame this year? Mm. You know, there were some, uh, there was some man on man kissing in the semi finals. Okay. Saucy. What um, country was that? I don't remember. Oh, <laughs> didn't you were, get you didn't didn't to bring the asses back. <laughs> Where'd them Spanish women's uh, gone? Uh, uh, oh, me caliente. Anyway, speaking of uh, La Musica, mm. uh, Barry, I know you and I both listened to the same album this week. I actually listened to two. Mm. I've done one extra, but what did you think of the new Kendrick Lamar album? I thought it was not really like what I was expecting, although I didn't really know what to expect. Yes. I didn't really have an expectation, but it's not really like anything he's put out before. And I think that in the best positive way, um, I think it's a very sort of um, in a good and a bad way. I think it's quite confused. It's a little bit all over the place, but that kind of works to some of the themes it has going on. And it's, it feels infinitely more personal than anything he's done, certainly in, in, in the last while. Mm. Um, but overall, I thought it was very, very good, very personal, very um, uh, um, distinct, and great production uh, up and down uh, uh, the album. Bit long, you know. We're we're short album people on this podcast. I don't think it massively overstayed its welcome. But you know, seventy minutes, one six minute song could have done without, but yeah. mostly very, very good. Um, Kendrick Lamar to this point has been a little bit like uh, the Strokes for me in terms of being. Uh, an, an act that everybody loves that is just a gaping black hole of no knowledge to me. I've I've never listened to a Kendrick Lamar song mm. before I listened to this album. So I, I know um, To Pimp a Butterfly, everyone raves about. I know Humble was a, a huge mega hit. Mm-hmm. Never listened to a second of either. Okay. So this is my first dipping of the toe. This is a very it. odd place to start. <laughs> well, like you, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Um so what I found was I my expectations going in was were that it was going to be a I don't know why I thought this but it was going to be like a a, a Jay Z Kanye East Coast kind of sounding template with with kind of soul uh, roots very musical in that respect with like musical solely samples from like maybe Motown that kind of thing and what I found it to be was actually quite radio unfriendly and more like almost like slam poetry or beat mm. poetry. Um, so I was very confused on my first listen through the first few songs because it really caught me by surprise. It wasn't what I expected it to be at all. Um, 
And once I think you kind of come to terms with what it is, I think you can enjoy it more in that way. Uh, certainly, I thought I found that a lot of the stronger stuff was towards the end of the album. But then that might have just been me <laughs> coming to terms over the course of the album with what it was, rather than yeah. that the, the later songs are actually better. I thought one of the more interesting tracks on it, unfortunately, I don't I don't have the name to hand, but it was the one where it's like staged like an argument between him and a woman. Yes, we cry together. I think it is. Yes. Um, Reminded me a lot of like uh, Kim off the Marshall Mathers. Yeah, LP. it's like if Kim was written by an adult. It's, Correct. Because <laughs> like, yes. Kim has not aged very well, obviously. No. But in the sense of like while I'm listening to it, I'm thinking, okay, this is very raw, very real. And I really like it, but it's not a track I'd easily listen to a second time. Totally. Um, But yeah, performatively, I thought it was very strong. And then is it auntie's notes or auntie's diaries or something towards the end i thought that was like the standout track on it but it's weird because it's like an album where you you can't easily look at it and say oh the singles will be xyz Mm. there's nothing on it that's particularly radio friendly in in that way um but going into it and understanding that it's you know i hesitate to call it a bit more of like an academic work but it's it's certainly not um something that you expect if you're accustomed to like modern you know uh mainstream hip-hop i think Mm. it's very much in a category of its own in that sense um and yeah very personal very reflective um but uh not not the easy listen some might think it might be no and yeah to, to your point there about you not quite sure what the singles is i i i can't really imagine i mean i smashed the old like a on a couple of songs but yeah. i can't imagine listening to any of them in kind of an isolation it kind of feels like a thing where you kind of say i'm going to listen i'm going to, I'm going to start this album from scratch which i never really do but it, it does seem like one of those flows in a very particular way and like you said it's uh it's collectively very uh, uh personal as a as a each individual song, but also as a, the through line through the album. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. I'm actually curious if you go back and listen to some of his other stuff. I don't. I, I mean, I it's it's not. I don't know. Yeah, it's basically all really good. I don't think there's any. Uh, I I wouldn't even say anything. It's just some of his other. Like I would say, maybe start with his previous album, Damn, um, uh, which is great. But that one has a few more obvious. In fact, you probably recognize a couple of the songs because it was also a lot maybe. was used in 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 movies and stuff like that like it was um that was a very popular album yeah i'd maybe go backwards i think uh would maybe be the way to go if you're just jumping in here Mm. but uh yeah this one is uh it's quite great it's quite great uh so that's the new kendrick lamar um let me just get the name of the album yeah it's got some kind of (laughs) a wacky name uh it is called uh mr morale and the big steppers i think it is conceptually like a double album yeah, I think it's like a side A is Mr. Morale and side B is... It is definitely, it's such a hoity-toity term, but it is a thing I would feel fairly comfortable calling like a concept album and a, a you know... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then secondly, I listened to something that was brought to my attention, which is an album by a band called The Smile. Okay. It's called A Light for Attracting Attention. Uh, let me just read out a little bit of, of Wikipedia for you here. The Smile comprises Radiohead members Tom York and Johnny Greenwood, Ooh. which, for those keeping track, are the songwriters of Radiohead. Yeah. <laughs> um, with sons of Comet drummer Tom Skinner. So 
what what you have is like you know if you had um you know uh, Noel Gallagher and Liam Gallagher starting a new band, it's not called Oasis. Um, okay. but, you know, it has the main two from Oasis, and the people who people don't care about an Oasis, they're not in it. But it's the main ones. So what what you essentially have is the first Radiohead album since 2016's um, "A Moon Shaped Pool." Um, but it's not Radiohead under you know it's it's Radiohead in all but name, and I want to say very happily it's Radiohead. Um, taking a big old step back uh, to the, the the times of the Benz and OK Computer when they're a little bit more of a rock band and a little bit less of uh, Tom York put a blindfold on and hit the random keys and random, <laughs> random rhythm. And I was going to be generous to say an electronic band, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> now, to be fair, I, I didn't hate a moon-shaped pool. Uh, mm. And I often, when I'm talking about movies or music, I often will avoid as much as I can to call something boring. Uh, but I found the Moose Shaved Pool a bit boring. <laughs> I I don't like I don't like all their fucking Ross Geller keyboard albums. I think they're really That's annoying. <laughs> so what a light for attracting attracting attention sounds like is if Radiohead with the the knowledge they've accumulated, the musical knowledge they've accumulated over the course of their entire career tried to make an album that sounds like the Ben's OK Computer era. Okay. So what you get is a, a lot more rock oriented, okay, a lot less electronic. There's still some hints of it there. There's still some slower ballady songs, but it's certainly a big step back into the rock genre. Uh, which you know, as a Radiohead fan, and as Radiohead fans are often divided between the people who like when they were a rock band and the people who like. You know, Tom York warbling over someone hitting a bin with a iron. Um, and you can tell which camp I fall into. It was nice to have what is for all intents and purposes uh some new old radiohead. <laughs> uh and I thought pretty much every song on it ticked the boxes for me as a as a classic okay. Radiohead fan and someone who's a bit of a Philistine for anything post like in Rainbows. I didn't like King of Limbs at all. I found Moonshape Pool boring, as I said. I think this one is easily better than both, which are actually Radiohead albums. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm very positive on it. I thought it, it's a little bit long as well. It's like 53 minutes. But for anyone who liked OK Computer, liked the Benz, liked Kid A, and is a little bit sniffy about Moonshape Pool and King of Limbs, uh, this this will maybe scratch an itch that has been left unscratched for the better part of fifteen years. So okay. I give it a, bi- a big, big thumbs up. That's the smile, wink, wink, Radiohead, uh, a light for attracting attention, and it came out the same day as uh, Kendrick Lamar's album. There, the thirteenth of May, and I give it a big old fat thumbs up. I'd also give Kendrick a, a thumbs up as well. Yes. Uh, ironically, if you told me that a new Radiohead album would come out the day of the new Kendrick Lamar album, and the Radiohead one would actually be more radio-friendly, I would have been shocked to hear that, but I think that is indeed the case here. Well, it's not a Radiohead album, so stop saying that. No, it's not. It's The Smile. Sorry. We're going to get sued. (laughs) The Smile, and I had a big old smile listening to it. And actually, The Smile is my album of the week. 
Excellent. Okay. Oh, and I listened to part uh, the second side of the Beatles' White Album. <laughs> Skip that one, buddy. What a load of old shite. <laughs> um, didn't enjoy it at all. Nothing good on, on the second disc of the White Album. Nice, concise review there. <laughs> sorry, Beatles. And sorry, people. You know, we see things. Beatles, oh, the White Album. The shite album, or like, oh, um, absolutely. I think I might have said that joke already last week, but no, well, we definitely did mean shite. It's not ago. sorry, the white album is not good, it's not good. Um, so I think I'd, I've, I've got three left I've got Magical Mystery Tour, Abbey Road, and, and Let It Be, and then I will let it be and not listen to any more Beatles albums. But I think, of from what I know, because I've, I've to be fair, I've listened to Abbey Road and I've listened to Let It Be a couple of times in the past. I think those two are probably two of the better Beatles albums. So yeah. I, I feel like at this point I've probably got through most of the most of the eh stuff, but we'll see. And that wraps up music guff for the week. We'll jump into the old telly guff now. Uh, not too much new on the old telly guff front. Uh, still chipping away on uh, the stuff we've been talking about the last few weeks, and if, everything I've been talking about the last few weeks is still good. I'm I'm an ep- I'm an episode behind on Dairy Girls, but still enjoying it. Don't love the little romance uh, plot line thing from two weeks ago. I don't know how they followed up on it last week, but didn't care for that necessarily. Feels very um, feels a bit Monica and Chandler. Although imagine if that suddenly happened in season nine instead of season four. Because this show is like three episodes from the end, uh, so I don't know how I feel about that. Other than that, I thought it was a it was good fun, uh, and yeah, still watching Barry and Severance. By the way, I meant to ask because I didn't watch when it first came out. Severance was a weekly thing, right? It wasn't a dump. It wasn't a big dump of all the episodes at once, right? Yeah, it was weekly. Yeah, it was weekly. Okay, yeah. I feel like it would have been a it's it's a good it's a very binge worthy show. It's a very kind of uh, stick one more on. Uh, but I feel like, oh, it's probably great week to week because they they, they, they peak the episode so well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, I haven't finished it yet, but I'm about halfway through. I'm thoroughly enjoying that. Uh, HBO's Barry, still great. I mean, it's it's like I've said every time. It's like the most yeah, you're biased show. on that one. Though. I'm biased on that one. That joke's funnier every week. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, what else was there? There was actually something else. I, I still haven't finished. I, I I forgot about it for like two weeks, but I'm nearly finished Pam and Tommy, which is also very, very good. And I'm I'm just convinced now that Sebastian Stan would play a great CM Punk. He would play a great CM Punk, especially because yeah. in this show, he looks like ECW CM Punk. He looks exactly like him. I see it. Um, but yeah, that show, that show is really good. It is really good. Um, it, it's very slick. Um, and it's kind of, it, it, it matches its gaudiness with its kind of ponderousness quite well so yeah uh some really good tv uh this year so far um we're actually thinking of because uh, we somehow we still have netflix in this house i don't know why we never use it it's just absolutely dreadful we're kind of thinking like we should just bin it and get back apple tv because to be fair they've been they've been knocking them out of the park lately and they've got the stars of aew on 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 oh, yeah. uh car karaoke thing drive karaoke thing uh, minus James Corden, thank you. Minus James Corden. I mean, great. I mean, what more do you want? <laughs> hit him with the car. They hit him with the car. Great stuff. <laughs> so yeah, no, Apple TV have uh, they've uh, they've put they've put a shift in, brother. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, fair play to them. But yeah, nothing nothing too new on the TV front for myself. 
Yeah, I've um, I've been watching a bit more Wild Boys mm. uh, in anticipation for Jackass four point five, which is coming to Netflix next week. Uh, this week, this week, this week. Okay. Uh, on Friday. So I'll be watching that. I have a review of that for next week. But Wild Boys is is the closest you'll get to Jackass between Jackass itself and the second movie. Um, it's great. It's great. They, there's stuff they do on it which is like more dangerous than anything in even the Jackass movies, where they they'll be like. There's one bit where it's it's obviously Chris Pontius and Steve-O. They're standing outside a tent in the woods, and they say, "You know, because of bears, you should never leave your food out in the, you know, out unattended in the in the in the forest." So they're throw, they're they're opening stuff and like eating it, but going, "Oh, this cookie's not nice," and throwing it into the tent, and then lying down in the bed in the tent with the thing open, and of course a bear comes in. I, look, I'm not interested in whether it's it's staged, it's a you know a tamed bear, whatever. Bear comes in, bites one of them in the ass. <laughs> it's a classic bit. Um, Knoxville is in, like, episode two of the series, Johnny Knoxville makes an appearance. He couldn't stay away too long. Um, he's patting a cougar on the head and stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if people like myself can't get enough of, of the fools from Jackass, Wild Boys is the next best thing. And they did, like, five series of it. There's loads of content, so... Slowly, ma- wake- <sighs> slowly making my way through that. And uh, only three episodes left and lost. Oh. And like I said in the week, or like I said at the start, I did do a little cry. I did do a little cry one bit. <sighs> but anyway, it was very good. It was very good. Um, I think that's all to tell you. I've been watching uh, RuPaul's back this week as well, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. That's the uh, that is the telly goof. We'll segue into movies. Um, who got a chance to see everything, everywhere, all at once? Because I have been waiting for this to be listed anywhere at all, remotely close to me. And then Odian replied to one of my messages saying, "What we have no intentions of showing it." Right? <laughs> I was like, specifically pointed that. Bastards, great, great. The other two people, the other two chains in town didn't reply. And so I was like, great, bastards. Uh, the theater I go to to watch indie films, they listed it for the 20th of June, which is a bit far away. But I was like, listen, mm. they're the one place showing it. Bought my tickets. It's a month away, but whatever. Myself and Brona were going to go see it. And then literally after I bought the tickets, uh, Odeon and Limerick listed it for this week. Um, so <laughs> oh, so now I'm having to wait a month after they told me they weren't showing it. But I'm like, whatever. At least I won't have to, you know. The, the place I got the ticket for is closer to my home than Odeon. That's my rationale. Who got to see it and how good is it? I've seen it. I've seen okay. everything everywhere all at once. Sorry, on Saturday afternoon. Um, I hadn't I hadn't read too much about it because I didn't want to spoil it too much. I knew there was a multiverse, multiversal element to it, mm. uh, as is customary for all new releases all uh, these days. Um, that was about it, really. I, so I, I tried to stay quite, quite ignorant of what, what it was about. And I found it very entertaining, very funny. Uh, packed full of action, uh, very clever, and with a, a nice kind of emotional core of the half mm. movie. So overall, uh, big thumbs up. I went four and a half stars on Letterboxd. Um, might have crept a little bit higher, but I th- not that I'll spoil it too much. I won't give you any plot details, but it does, I think, in the second half get a little bit 
a little bit baggy. It is, it is a long meal. It's two hours and 20 minutes. It's longer than Doctor Strange. I mean, if you'd asked me which of those two movies was going to be the longest, I probably would have gone for the Marvel one. But in fact, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once was longer. And if you remember how much um, guff and exposition was in Doctor Strange and all the shit they had to fill that with, that's quite a, quite a long running time. But yeah, overall, very, very positive, And I, I enjoyed it a lot. It's a very funny movie. It's kind of reminded me, and I don't, I'm not a big fan of kind of martial arts movies. Um, I've not really seen too many. And it's not really my kind of film, but there's kind of, yeah, comedy with some kind of martial arts elements to it, um, some great performances and a kind of um, sort of family story at the heart of it. That's that's where I'll leave it because I don't want to I don't want to spoil yeah. it too much. I know yeah. you, you you two will see it at some point, but yeah, that's definitely definitely won't uh, disappoint. I don't think. Excellent, good film. I'm I'm really looking forward film. to it. Anyway, boring. What did you think of? It's me, Blinko from another dimension. I'm here, and look who I brought with me. It's Sven Svento, the ruler. And I'm here to tell you, Benedict Cumberbatch, that here's a bunch of stupid shit. Listen, listen up, block shito. Uh, I'm here to Dexter Jester's here. Oh god! So Doctor Strange and the the it's actually Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Okay, I've been calling it Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness for several weeks. Um, it's a bit like Sex in the City and Sex and the yes. City. That kind of confusion. Um, I was very excited for this. I I did kind of work myself into a shoot. Because I am a jabroni mark with no life, and I was, I was kind of expecting this to be like No Way Home, but on a whole nother. I was going to be, ah, oh, it's going to be even bigger and better than No Way Home. Like it's going to be crazy. The multiverse. This is whoa. They're going to blow our minds here. So I, we did go and see it on like opening night, um, and I have to say, what I saw was a Doctor Strange film. <laughs> and considering I've never rewatched the original Doctor Strange film because it was really boring. Uh, I wasn't too pleased with what I got uh, this in this sequel. Um, compared to like the Spider-Man and what they delivered with that movie with with Maguire and Garfield and all the villains and everything, this was like a big fat disappointment compared to that. Now I I listened to the reviews last week, Barry's review and his kind of jadedness with the multiverse and all the crossovers and everything and get a bit fed up with all that stuff. I'm still a huge mark for all of that thing. Like I love a good crossover. If they if they told me tomorrow they were going to do another one and it had some X-Men in it, I probably would get excited for it. I've yeah. always been a big fan of crossovers, probably since I saw Who Framed Roger Rabbit 35 years ago, you know. Um, so I was very excited for it. But then, uh, do we want to get to spoilers, Paul? Have you seen it yet? Are you bothered about spoilers? I have not seen it, Joe. Okay. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I mean, there's not that much to spoil, to be honest. I don't um, think yeah, so. It's, been, it's also uh, been a couple Is of there a big CJ mess fight at the end of it? Yes. Uh, at the beginning okay. and at the end at the beginning and at the end yeah a little ah, bit. there's at least there's one in the middle that's at least there's one really cool scene i think we can talk about it listen yeah. skip ahead a couple of minutes if you don't want spoilers i think at this stage you either don't care or you've probably seen it because it's also all over the place yeah because and i did say last week that i really want to stop at how disappointing it is yeah. so they tease it in the trailer. So he's flipping between these universes and then he gets to one where the Illuminati exists. Yes. And this is not, this is not the Illuminati. It's a comic book thing. It's not the real Illuminati. No, it's like, it's basically like, what if the Avengers were politicians? It's 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 basically the way they do it, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think it's roughly this same cast of characters in the comics. So you get your big, um, uh, you get your Patrick Stewart. He wheels himself out. 
Um, they play uh, the X-Men cartoon theme. They play the X-Men cartoon theme and he's in the X-Men cartoon wheelchair. He's in the big yellow gimmick. Which that was good. Was I was like, oh, okay. That was nice. And That's listen, fun. and the funny thing is, it's like I didn't hate that he was in it necessarily. No. I was like, I, I still would pop for the cameos if it's the right thing. Yeah. But then they run down the cast of, of characters in this thing, and it's a bunch. It's a bunch of people you're not really supposed to know. Like it's Black Bolt, who I literally have never heard of in bunch my of life. Scrubs, bunch, bunch of scrubs, bunch of jabronis, like alternate universe Captain Marvel, not Brie Larson. Obviously. It was like the Royal Rumble lineup of this year. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, like, oh, it was Mad Cat Moss was there, you know, <laughs> uh, Boogs, uh, Boogs from the. It's got the original comic outfit on. So that's yeah, what yeah, it's, it's, it's real Boogs. It's lore Boogs. <laughs> um, and then like the other than Patrick Stewart, the big reveal is and. Of course, the smartest man in the world, Reed Richards, and it's little John Krasinski with a beard. Um, <laughs> I like John Krasinski, but yeah. oh my god, was I like that's terrible? That's terrible. You could I could pick fifty people before I'd go to him. But the big thing, the other big spoiler I think about this movie is this isn't oh my god they're now in the marvel universe it's like they they go to another universe for this scene and then wanda in like the only really great scene in the movie wanda massacres everyone and they it's like it's like here's the one scene where sam raimi got to go ham and she like um she like turns uh uh john krasinski into like a cheese string she like literally shreds his arms and then his head pops um uh the other guy black bolt he's got like a mouth where he he uh, speaks and you burst into pieces when he speaks at you. She takes away his mouth and makes his head explode. She does all these gnarly kills on the Illuminati, which is actually really fun. Um, so it's not even necessarily, oh my God, fucking Patrick Stewart's in the MCU now. It's like, no, they went to another universe and they killed them off anyway, you know? So yeah. it's literally just, um, that was fun, but I was just kind of like, I was like, I couldn't get past John Krasinski. I was like, oh, at least they, at least they cast him just to kill him off, I guess, you know? I yeah that that was a huge disappointment for me the Illuminati because I thought oh they've given away Professor X in like the trailer the trailer basically. yeah so if they're giving that away in the trailer what have they got you know held back for the film nothing he was like the <laughs> he was the biggest kind of reveal and then yeah I didn't mind John Krasinski I I'd had that spoiled on Twitter to be honest okay. I knew I knew it going in so I was kind of like oh yeah I kind of. I didn't think he was he was bad. Well, I mean, he was only on screen for like thirty seconds. He yeah, could have, that, could have been that bad. He didn't do um, anything bad in in this. Specific no, he movie, was yeah. he was he was he was decent in what he he was there to do. But then the other ones, I mean, it was Peggy Carter's Captain UKIP with a Union Jack shirt. <laughs> like, I don't. She's good. The you know, I like her, but like uh, she's just a supporting character from Captain America. Like, who cares really? And then. Um, I can't remember her name, but 007 from the last Bond movie. Oh, yeah. Who was in Captain Marvel, which I've never seen, so I didn't even know she was in the MCU, to be honest. I so, completely forgot she was in that until you just like, said it. And I did I see like, that movie. I was like, uh, okay, who cares? And then who, that was like it, wasn't it? Oh, and, there, and then Blackus Boltus, yeah. who was from a cancelled 2012 ABC show. Inhumans, yeah. yeah. He, is the wor- he is the worst superhero I've seen in any Marvel property. Like I, he is like a character from the suicide squad. Like he yeah, would have been yeah, one of the, yeah. the five that gets killed at the beginning. Like I thought that was a joke. I thought they were going to bring out a real superhero to replace him. He was fucking shit. And then they, yeah, they all get massacred in like five minutes. Yeah. I was like, what was the point of that? Like you literally could, could have written that the Illuminati out of this film. You could have got rid of them. And it wouldn't have made any difference to the plot at all. Yeah. The only thing they learn is that their Doctor Strange was 
fucking around with the multiverse and caused a universe to explode or whatever. Yeah. They could have written that on a post-it note and, and give, got the same effect. It was also, you know I, mean? I feel like it was kind of nebulous. Like they just sort of implied there was something bad happened because he was doing multiverse stuff. They didn't. And so they were like, and so they're like, he did, he used some evil spell book. The one that Wanda uses in the movie, he yeah. used it to beat Thanos and then they're like, okay, well, that you're going to be bad because you use that book, so we have to kill you. Yeah. But And then that's their justification for being suspicious of the main character, Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. It, it, was another, it was another one, and No Way Home, as much as I loved it, had this as well. It was another one of these movies where I was like, this is the story of this thing is hanging on by a thread at all times. It's, it's just about keeping itself together. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're constantly, every scene, they introduce a new kind of concept. It's either a new evil book, a new good book, new demons, a new thing. There's like every every scene, they have to have a minute of like exposition to explain this new thing that they've just brought in. Yeah. I think at the end, you're like, oh, fuck me. You know, why can you stop introducing new things every five minutes? Like, we've got enough going on in this movie already. But yeah, it also, I, I was expecting a very different type of film as well. I thought it was going to be a kind of jaunt through different multi or through different universes so i almost thought it was going to be uh dr strange and america chavez get lost in the multiverse and they have to try and find their way home and they get pursued by the illuminati and by uh what's her face elizabeth olsen and they have to try and get back but it wasn't really they just go to one other universe and then that's pretty much it and then it's yeah. then it's just a doctor strange movie so that that for me was disappointing i'd rather it had been i would have not had Wanda Vision, whatever her name is, in it. I'd have just had it be Doctor Strange and America Chavez versus the Illuminati, and then they just pursue them through different crazy. Yeah, you know, I wanted them to leave that one and go to a universe where like Iron Man is actually a supervillain, and he's yeah, and it's George Clooney playing Iron Man or something. Yeah, that was, the, big, the big rumor was Tom Cruise. I don't know I, what, how, where that came from, but that I was the big rumor. That. I saw that. I think it was just one shot from the movie where it looked like Tom Cruise's Iron Man and someone yeah. started spreading it and everyone wanted to believe it. Well, let me tell you, Joe, a, a little TV show you would love. It's called Marvel's What If. Oh, God. <laughs> well, that's where the Peggy Carter thing came. I watched that episode and I was like, well, that's fucking boring as fuck. I don't give a fuck about this. Um, but yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I saw uh, the funniest Letterboxd review I saw on this was like, they set the movie in the two most boring universes possible. It's like... <laughs> Our one, and then the, the 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 Illuminati section. The whole second act of the movie is set in like, like the the may the MCU is already slightly futuristic techy. It's like this mm. one's like just slightly more. It's a little bit more futuristicy, and yeah. and and that and it's like they do before they they basically they go flying through a portal, Paul. And for anyone else who hasn't seen it, and when before they land in the Illuminati world, and they do a night. There's a very nice little montage where they're flying through the portal, and they go into noir black and white town, and then they turn. There's one dimension where they're like paint, so they're like flying through the paint universe, and then there's a multicolored one and a animated one and a this and that. But it's literally it's a it's a 15 second sequence where they then land in shitty CGI green screen land. And it's just kind of like I you you would have had an absolute hoot of a caper 
if it's kind of like because the movie's still all about chasing MacGuffins as well. It's like Scarlet Witch is the bad book. You have to go get the good book to stop her. Not the good book, a good book. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it would have, as Joe said, if it was just kind of like, oh shit, we accidentally stumbled into the Illuminati's world, and oh shit, they don't like us, so let's yeah. jump into the universe. Oh shit, they're following us, and oh god, we're in we're in yeah. uh, Spider Man Noir's world now. There's Nicolas Cage, like, but it's not that. It's it's like that's all window dressing on two really boring universes with lots of shitty CGI and, and um, you know, very, the, the multi multi ultraverse is at stake. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, big bit of a dud, bit of a dud for me, but uh, it's also, it's not a horror film. Uh, no, it's not. Just because you have Elizabeth Olsen look a bit like Carrie at one point, mm. does not a horror film make, I'm afraid. Um, yeah. It's a superhero film. Yeah, the one thing I've heard is that it is a Sam Raimi film for better or worse. <laughs> many are saying this. Many are saying this. <laughs> Too many are saying it. Um, yeah, no, not a horror film. I, li- I liked some of those elements, but not, no. I, I did rewatch a very shitty, shaky cam uh, 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 video clip of the of Scarlet Witch like killing all the Illuminati. And I was like, well, it it is slightly more violent than the usual fare. Mm. Uh, maybe even not even slightly maybe it's very it's much more I think that's even still fair but it's still the kind of thing that like you know 20 years ago you know Indiana Jones being the example that was every now and then you'd get a, a kids movie like that that would have that stuff and it would be known as the slightly edgier one but it still would be a fucking kids film do you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, uh, and that that was this it was just like yeah people confounded that it didn't get an R rating I'm like have you ever seen an R rated movie in your life oh my god um, you maybe know, if Cumberbatch got his knob out or something, uh, like the, the they she cuts um, Peggy Carter in half, but it's the most like implied by the the framing of the shot that she's cut in half type. Oh, thing it's ever. the close up of the face. <gasps> yeah, it's it's the dribble of blood. The, I'm cutting half. Yeah, but not not even spitting up blood. She it's it's like Wanda catches her her Captain America shield, flings it back at her. You get a shield's perspective going into her waist, and then she's oh, oh, and then she dies. Uh, you know, it's it's really it's 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 anyway. That's that's the multiverse man, and then Charlize Theron as Blorco shows up in in the post credit scene. Um, well, you know, if you if you didn't have Blorco, the fans would be livid. She like comes out of a again another a Doctor Strange portal that does like all spikes behind her. She's like, uh, ready to fucking, uh, uh, and he's like, oh, uh, uh, and they're like, okay, I don't, I can't even remember what she said. Like, fix this or fix all the issues he made. Or like, I don't know, I don't know. I did see people in town with a if Blorco doesn't show up, we riot sign. Yeah, so at least those people. <laughs> if you cheered when Charlie's throne showed up, you are. And you brought back without a life that don't want to work. God. Anyway. Oh, God. That seems to be the, the, the modus operandi for these films now is every... And I still haven't seen Eternals, but it seems like every every film now, someone shows up who you don't know who they are. Oh, that no, that person was in uh, fant- Amazing X-Men uh, comic in issue one million. Yeah, it... it- it is it is like the old the 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 criticism, but it's way more valid here of AEW. We're like, oh, well, you know, they're just having people show up. What's cool about that? It's like, but that's really cool. What? Get over it. But in this one, it is kind of just like I need a little bit more sustenance from my movies. Then, especially now that like Disney owns everything, so it's not surprising when it's like, oh, here's a Fantastic Four character. I mean, it, I'm not saying it can't be cool. 
but it's just like you know the parade of ip doesn't impress me anymore you know yeah um yeah anyway did anyone see any better movies I also we also watched Out of Sight, which is a George Clooney Jennifer Lopez movie from nineteen ninety eight or something. It was Clooney's kind of you know, peak period, that's exactly you know. right. Um, it was quite fun. He plays like a, a bank robber. The it's kind of an odd couple movie with him and Jennifer Lopez. She plays like a federal agent or something, and it's a whole thing going on. I didn't really. Yeah, it was it was okay. I kind of thumbs thumbs in the middle. Um, decent bit of chemistry between them. But it kind of reminded me George Clooney used to be a film star back in the day. <laughs> I don't feel like he's done any done anything for ages. I can't think of it. He, he does Nescafe adverts. He does Nescafe Still? adverts. Yeah. I don't know. That's the last thing I saw. Um, yeah, so watch that. Also watched a film um, called Love and Monsters, which is one that I kind of missed, I think, when it came out. Yeah, last it. year, was it? Yeah, I think it was during the pandemic. I confused it, I think, with another one. But... It was quite an entertaining film. It's it's sort of set in a dystopian Earth, following like a monster apocalypse where all mm. the remaining humans have been driven to live in like underground bunkers. And um, we follow one particular character who decides that he's going to leave the bunker to try and go and save his girlfriend who is in another bunker. And so he has to brave the monsters on the outside and stuff. So actually, it was it was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I, I like the main character. Uh, the actor, I think he's from like the Maze Runner movies, which I've never seen, but he was a kid in those. Um, CGI is pretty good for what's not a massive budget movie, and yeah, it's quite a, quite an interesting take on the story as well. So, yeah, if you're after a just a little movie to watch, Love and Monsters on Netflix, I would recommend. Quite Sounds funny. a bit like Monsters, the uh, Gareth Edwards. I think that's what pre- I was confusing it with. That's why I never I never watched it. I was like, oh, that's that's uh, yeah. Godzilla man. Yeah, with Godzilla man. Um, this is a yeah, it's kind of more of a coming of age type tale, but with with monsters in it. So, yeah, it's, I liked uh, monsters a lot, but it's 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 not a uh, it's not a very charming movie. Nah. <laughs> but hopefully, Love and Monsters is. It looks like it's a bit, Love a bit, monsters more, a bit more fun. Yeah, a bit more fun. Yeah. So yeah, that's all the movies. I haven't watched any movies. I'm very sad to say. I, I watched. Um, about 10 hours of Eurovision in the week, so that ate up all my time. Uh, also, what's eaten up a lot of my time, uh, I was saying last week that Guardians of the Galax has um, not exactly been calling out to me to go back to it time and time again. Let's not say I've given up on it. I haven't given up on it. But um, I had a different itch that needed scratching. Sorry to keep using itch analogies. Uh, so I booted up on the Nintendo 3DS uh, Pokemon Crystal. Mm-hmm. I'm not playing none of these fucking new Pokemon games. I'm playing old school Pokemon. Pokemon Crystal from the year 2000. Okay. What system Which was that? Ex- GBA? GB, no. Color? Game, Bo- game Boy Color. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking cl- proper classic Game Boy here. Um, Still available. For now, until they shut it down on the Nintendo 3DS store. Yes. Because they re-released red, blue, yellow, gold, silver, and uh, crystal. But presumably if you own it, you still get to play it, right? It doesn't have to do an online check, does it? What do you mean? You said until they shut it down. But presumably Uh-oh. you... If I presume, you, yeah. If you, you own it, you own it, I imagine. Right? It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. I don't think Fucking hell. Any issue with that. 
<laughs> um, I, it was just like you know, as far as that goes, anyway. I could I could have it on the SNES Mini in five minutes. Well, yeah, I have yeah, I have every Pokemon game downloaded as well, and within our hands reach. So, <laughs> so what I'll say is, you know, obviously Pokemon Gold and Silver are, are really highly regarded. I still I still consider them the best in the series' entire run. Um, but until I revisited Crystal, I never truly understood what it was to make make those games great. And I think what it is is that it's it's super well balanced. Mm. Uh, I think today's Pokemon games in, compar- in comparison are very easy. Um, so one major change they made to the the new games is that you have your party of six, and you do your Pokemon battles and you battle the gym leaders. And what happens now is all your Pokemon get XP. Your entire party, even Pokemon you don't use, so your Pokemon level up much quicker now than they did in prior games. Uh, so my experience of going from the new games, jumping back six generations to (laughs) crystal is that you conversely feel very underpowered throughout the game, which feels to me more like how those games should be balanced. So when you come up to a gym leader in, in the modern games, let's say, right, it's very typical with minimal grinding. You'll be like five levels above the gym leaders. You pretty much beat him handily enough it's pretty procedural um i came to the i want to say fifth or sixth gym uh and i was 10 levels underneath the gym leaders i was my best Pokemon was level 25 did you get squashed no because what this game encourages you to do is think strategically oh he's you cannot, you cannot brute strength beat them like you do in the modern games the modern games very much incentivize getting as strong as you can as quick as you can have power moves and just brute force it what i did here was okay so i have uh, a pokemon a, a noctowl who has a move called mud slap which does very little damage at all but which reduces the opponent's accuracy mm-hmm so once I got to this final Pokemon, because they had like three, once I got to the final one, which is 10 levels above me, I'm level 25, they're 35. So we're talking like 10 levels, but also like 40% above what I am. Uh, I would immediately use that move. Okay, try and get its accuracy down. Even if I can get only one, two, three before before I'm killed, because this, this thing is more often than not, if it hits me, it's one shot killing me. So you're bringing the accuracy down, right? Once I've brought that down sufficiently, even with, say, three times, that's only going to hit me once out of every three moves, let's say now, right? Switch in the second Pokemon, Poison Powder. So every move now, if that Pokemon misses me, it's getting a little bit of its energy chip, chip, chip down because right. it's poison now. Um, so that, that was the perfect combination. My goal now is not to brute force, is not to beat that Pokemon. It's to survive long enough for the poison to kill that Pokemon. Right. So I, all my strategy is about not getting hit. <laughs> so it's a completely different game style to what you have with the modern games, where, like I said, they may, I don't know why they made that change, presumably to make it more... Accessible. User-friendly, more accessible, more kid-friendly. Um, so you, you battle a Pokemon. By the time you hit the first gym, you're like, level 10 you know you're you're three levels above and that only goes up and up and up and up uh here i'm constantly under leveled i do very little grinding anyway 
so the game, I guess in that sense, the game incentives, it gives you the choice of, look, either you can grind and it'll be a bit easier, or you need to be a bit more sly about how you strategic, right. It's such a good balance. It, it makes the game much more satisfying. To the point that you say, okay, even if I lose to this gym leader, or this battle, or whatever, if I can take down two of the Pokemon, I at least get that much XP. So I'll be a little bit better by the next time it rolls around. You also learn, of course, by... You get to see what the Pokemon are. You get to see what their moves are. You can plan accordingly. So there's a lot of... It's It's almost... I know it's a bit cliche. It's almost like the souls of the, the Pokemon Right, games. okay, okay. There's a lot of learning the patterns planning accordingly and actually it's it's you know i'm sure red and blue is the same but these old generations of games it, it, it at times it is better for you to take out a lower level pokemon that maybe has a, a specific move that if you can get that move off once or twice you're going to get killed but that's part of the strategy right so i'm having a, I, I i've got eight badges this is the only game in the entire series gold and silver that goes back to the first world for red and blue as well. Okay. So there are 16 badges in this game. Um, but I'm I, after eight badges, my Pokemon, my best Pokemon are still like level 30. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not quite at level 60. Like you would expect to be at the end of a game. Uh, yeah, really great. This is also the first game that brought in like real time, like days of the week, the uh, time of the day. So you have different Pokemon in the morning than at night. You have different events and different days. So you have, you know, you have some Pokemon that only evolve by being happy, so you got to go to the hairdressers on the Tuesday and get the good hairdresser, give them a good haircut. Um, so there's little bits like that as well, like a, a bit more of a meta to the game. There's bug catching contests on certain days. You have to get the best bug, and if you get the best bug, you get the stone that you can only get from doing the competition that you can evolve your gloom into Blossom and stuff like that. Really, really great. Uh, it's like 10 euro on the store, so I, I didn't mind at all getting that because i never played crystal that, that's why i've gone with crystal i i would i had silver as a kid so i said okay if i'm going to revisit these games i want to play the one that's slightly different that i've never played so right. crystal was the one that I, I i gave a go um yeah i mean it, it's rare that you'll jump back to a game of that era like pre-super nintendo graphics i know game boy game boy color is not exactly pre-super nintendo but graphically and the way it, it plays, sometimes it feels yeah. like it is uh, yeah, surprisingly holds up very well. There, there, there are very little um, quality of life issues with it, even for a game that old. It, yeah. it doesn't feel like there was much needed to make it feel, as you say, like maybe more like a Game Boy Advance mm. title. Graphically, it, it doesn't look like that, but there's nothing in it that makes you feel like, oh, can't play this, it's too old or, or too clunky or whatever. It plays quite well. Uh, so yeah, like I said, I haven't played any. Uh, I haven't played any Guardians of the Galaxy this week. I've played seventeen hours of Pokemon. Seventeen, wow. <laughs> yeah, because on Game Boy, uh, or I keep calling the 3DS the Game Boy now because I'm playing. Well, Pokemon. that's what you're using it for, you know. But I, I'm playing it while the football's on. I'm playing it while the Eurovision's on. I'm playing it in bed. It's it's very easy to sink the hours into. Whereas with Xbox, I have to sit here in front of the TV. Yeah. Da, 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 da. That's why handhelds are great. Uh, yeah, I also saw a video, because you guys know that I, I was playing with the old Wii U recently, as far as animation goes, that the Xbox emulation, because I'm obviously very conscious about messing with the consoles that are very much my new, expensive, right? Um, you know, whatever. But apparently the modding on the Xbox is very simple. Very like, easy. To the yeah. point that Microsoft are like, you want to have your 
dev mode fucking go for it it's on stand i think they it? briefly like turned it off and then after back they're like all right we'll put it back on whatever <laughs> yeah so yeah. so it's not like the wii where you have to you know go in here put your us just like install retroarch on it and off you go yeah so i don't know if i want to i want to mess with it right away but i i saw I watched a few videos that seem to be very like look in comparison to other stuff fucking just you can do it there's no repercussions and it's very easy to do very easy and so i was like mm. yeah i've been tempted only for the only for the lack of space on the on the console that's the reason i haven't bothered true that might be something i investigate not in the immediacy because like like i was saying what i like about the wii u is uh and even the xbox wouldn't be able to do this the fact that it natively plays the games because even I, I imagine even on the xbox emulation still is not perfect mm-hmm so when you have this, the the option to like play GameCube games natively, that's that's still something that's very appealing to me. Uh, but that's all I've been playing. I don't have any other uh, video game news. Yeah, um, I've been playing some old games as well here. I think I talked about one of them a while back. I I, I started playing Crash Bandicoot on the Game Boy Advance. Um, they there was like I think they put out three platformers and I think two racers because obviously mm. once like once that reverted back to Activision, they were just turning them out um but the the first one i'm playing the first i can't remember what it's called it's got some stupid name uh i'm playing the first crash bandicoot it's a really solid 2d platformer that the aesthetics of those original playstation games they translate very well to the game boy advance the sound is nice the level design is nice um and it's just it's similar enough to main crash bandicoot for lack of a better term obviously it's 100% 2d which the console games have some segments like that but it's really fun i'm really really enjoying it. i'm definitely going to finish it it seems short enough i've already beaten two bosses um yeah so it's it, it translates really really quite well um and i played the again the name escapes me there's two separate cart games i played the first of the cart games the game boy advance has a lot of really nice driving games in the style of your f zeros that kind of blast processing faux 3d type yeah. thing from the snes the game boy advance has a lot of those i think i made mention on here uh the the gba port of simpsons road rage looks fantastic as well if you're playing it on a 3ds or like an emulator with a really nice screen it's a super colorful super good looking game and now yeah crash team racing as well really solid kind of mario kart ish experience stylistically original mario kart obviously um, so yeah, those games are. I'm very pleasantly surprised by them. They're they're really really fun. So I think I'll I'll probably finish them both, and then I'll see if I have an appetite for the um uh, uh the the sequels. Um, I also was playing Sonic CD this week because I was kind of like I loaded a bunch of games on there for like the so- the Sega peripherals, like obviously 32x and the CD. I I never had either. Um, but I remembered. I think Sonic CD was my first ever Sonic game I ever played. My friend had the PC version of it, and I had uh, distinct memories of Robot Sonic, the bad guy from that game, haunting my nightmares as a child. So uh, I revisited it, uh, and I've, I'm about halfway through. That game is is really really fun. One of the better Sonic games, I think. Uh, great music, and again because this was their debut on the CD system, it's like their music has lyrics in it now, and it's extremely '90s. Um, um, uh, sort of Japanese video game uh, 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 songs. It's great. It's really, really great. Uh, once I beat the game, I'm going to go see if the if the soundtrack is on Spotify. I hope it is. Um, yeah, I have no desire to to pay that fifty quid for that Sonic Origins thing on on <laughs> the new consoles. So I'm like, I'll just revisit them here. Um, 
so yeah still having a lot of fun with the with the old handheld emulator i was actually just messing around with it before we got started because it uh, as well as having like normal consoles on there it also has like support for like fan or community made engines uh like uh, scum vm which is like a, a mm-hmm. rom hacking engine designed to uh play classic pc adventure games so i've downloaded i've never played them but i've downloaded full throttle the monkey island games the blade runner adventure game which i've heard incredible things about from the 90s um mm-hmm. uh it runs all that stuff natively and and pico 8 which is a uh um Another kind of community development thing, uh, Celeste, the very popular indie uh, adventure game, uh, that was originally a Pico 8 game, um, and I think there's some Pico 8 levels in the main game, if I recall correctly. You can unlock some kind of original Celeste levels, for lack of a better term. Uh, so it's basically a thing you like buy a license for. It's like a tenor, and it gives you a bunch of tools to make your own game. And every game that's made on it is free. You literally just pay for the license for the quote unquote console. So uh, yeah, no, the device is 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 still great. Again, it's a, it's a uh, if anyone is curious, it's a it's an RG three fifty one MP. If you want to YouTube that, check out some reviews. I'm I'm loving it because like I say, it has it has capabilities beyond just like your NES, PlayStation stuff. It also has like a again around like the fan community. It also has a bunch of. Um, essentially native ports so like i can play like the super nintendo version of doom or i can play mm. what is effectively a port made for the device of actual doom uh and duke nukem 3d as well it's just really great it's like there's you wouldn't believe the fan community stuff around those uh those kind of emulator devices so uh so yeah that, that continues to be a, a great value on the on the current system front on the new game front i, I dived into two uh game pass games uh, uh this month trek to yomi was one that caught my eye uh, during one of the Microsoft press conferences. It is uh, another kind of Kurosawa tribute game. It is a a 2D side-scrolling samurai action game, uh, completely in black and white and completely in Japanese. I don't even think there's options for English VO. I think it's kind of like this is the voiceover and these are the subtitles, which I, I respect them going all in on that kind of thing. And... It's an action game, but it is probably more comparable to a Limbo or thereabouts because the combat seems not too simple, but it is simple. I will say that you have um, right now you have like where I'm at, you have like um, uh, light, light and heavy attack block, time your block correctly to parry all that stuff. You have a stamina meter that's relatively generous, uh, but so far I'm kind of just wailing on everyone and I'm, I'm, I've died once or twice, but I've had minimal issues. Uh, but it's incredibly stylish. It's kind of got your typical samurai revenge plot. It's not uh, It's not breaking the mold in that regard. But again, it's even more so than Ghost of Tsushima. This is a game very much trying to homage a, a certain genre of film. Um, it's solid. Uh, I, I, I don't love it, but I've also heard it's kind of short. So I think I'll definitely finish it. But um, again, if you're maybe not in the mood for like a super tough action game, this seems like it is more kind of a like experience kind of style, a little bit of story uh, uh, game. So uh, yeah, that's tr- that's Trek to Yomi. I think it's twenty quid on various systems, but it is on Game Pass. Uh, also on Game Pass, then I played Loot River, which is a game that has all the buzzwords. Loot River. Yeah, I've been singing that to myself every time I boot it up, <laughs> which is often because it is quite good. Uh, it has all the buzzwords going for it. it is a top-down, pixel art, roguelike game with 
tons of Dark Souls influence on it. So it's all the buzzwords. It's everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a run-based game in a kind of, uh, uh, again, in a, one of the many Dark Souls elements of it. It's like a sort of a shitty, crumbling kingdom of uh, that was once glorious, and now it's full of like undead freaks and monsters and a and an unworthy king who stalks the blah 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 you know and yeah. so it's a top-down game so you're walking around the the environment fighting things it's it's run based so when you die you start the whole game over again i beat the first boss and i got a lift back up to your hub world where you buy your upgrades and stuff like that and i was like oh i got the lift so maybe next time i die i can just get the lift to the second area no when you die, you start again. So it's one of those. Um, uh, and again, it's one of those where if you progress enough in a run, you can unlock certain permanent upgrades to maybe make it easier next time. But it's pretty tough. Uh, the combat, uh, it's a bit better than Tunic, but my initial reaction to it was Tunic X, uh, Tunic-esque in the sense I was like, oh my God, the, these drawback animations are really fucking slow. And I know you're doing the mm. Souls thing, but I was like, oh my God, I don't think I'm going to get used to these timing windows. I did eventually get used to them. They take they take some getting used to, but I did I did get to grips with them. And now I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So um, I think that's going to be like my podcast game for for the foreseeable. Do a couple. I love a good roguelike just to kind of just have some kind of mindless, you know, uh, uh, fun uh, while you're listening to a podcast or something like that. It's a good looking game. I suppose it's hook if it has something that's not the same as every other game in this genre. Is the the world is like flooded, and so you are, are walking around on these like. Uh, pieces of boardwalk for lack of a better term that are shaped like tetris pieces and you move your character with the left stick but you move them with the right stick so you're you're you have complete control over the platform you're standing on and so you can run away from enemies you can get away from them by literally moving your actual platform away from them there's a little bit of puzzle solving where it's almost like you know those puzzles that are like a bunch of squares but they're missing one square uh, you have kind of like a version of that where you have to try and manipulate the the level. Very basic. There's not too many of them, but uh, it's 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 solid. And again, it's I, that's a Game Pass one. And it's one of those ones where it's tough to say would I pay for it because I now have the experience of not having to. Um, but yeah, that's uh, uh, Loot River and Trek to Yomi was the previous one. Uh, before we move on from games, did you see the PlayStation Plus stuff earlier today? Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of one foot out of the PlayStation ecosystem at the moment, unfortunately. So I don't pay as close attention to it as I as I once did. I obviously, don't have a PS Five. The mm. PS Four gets little, very little gaming use these days. PS Plus is obviously long gone. No need for that anymore. Yeah, it. Uh, I I don't think this would be luring you back. Unfortunately, um, they put out their their initial offering for the. Now this was obviously with a bunch of asterisks, as you know, more coming and and obviously like any streaming service, they'll rotate things and they'll add them as the months roll on. But they put out a press thing that was like, here's what's here's what we're confirming right now is going to be on this service when it launches later this month in some markets, and then June for us. It was pretty. It was pretty not great i mean they it certainly wasn't 700 or whatever the number was they initially put out uh, again i assume they're building up to that but um it was kind of like on the ps2 it was like jack and daxter and ape escape 2 and <laughs> and then on the and then like i didn't even i even i just skipped the ps3 section because it's like i'm not yeah. i'm not going to stream a game i'm just not going to stream a game you will not get me playing a streaming game i do yeah, it once every six months to see what it's like and i go that's cute <laughs> it and doesn't I, work yeah i was like or it or nothing sometimes it doesn't work and then sometimes it does but like oh this works 
not enough to play, but it's like, you know, yeah. it's it's all right. Like it's like I think they have all the infamous games on there. The ironic thing is if like if those if those PS3 games were downloadable, it would probably be the most complete collection on offer, but it's like who cares? Because it's it's I'm never yeah. gonna I'm never gonna touch it. I really am it. Um yeah, so the PS and the PS1 similarly very paltry. Um, they uh, they had their blog post broken up into like here's our Sony games and here's our third party partners which is fair enough but it was just kind of like the PS one it, it was like siphon filter one and not even all three of them and uh, intelligence cube like some stuff that was a uh, Tekken two some stuff that was on that PS classic uh, you know they didn't make the Tomb Raider deals they didn't make the Crash Bandicoot deals they didn't do any of that or they haven't done it for the first month um, so yeah. Uh, the 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 most I think the most impressive part of the collection is the uh, probably the PS4 and five stuff. Um, I think like they included like Demon Souls, which was a big launch title. So I was like, okay, you know, that's a decent PS5 game. But yeah, I'm as as it stands, I'm like I have a I have PS Plus, the basic tier. I have that until Christmas, and I was like, I don't even feel obligated to up even upgrade one tier out of curiosity. It's just like. They have work to do, you know. They have work to do. Speaking of work, let's talk about professional wrestling. Uh, yes, on, brother. On this professional wrestling podcast, oh hell yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll kick things off here with Dynamite, uh, which began with another Owen Hart match: Adam Cole mm-hmm. versus Dax Harwood. Yes. Um, I appreciated they didn't over egg the Brett versus Sean stuff, but you know. Uh, <laughs> You know uh, what's his name? Cole is obviously the perennial Sean student, and and Tax is the the Brett lover. But I thought it was really good. Again, the FTR lads are they're really on one in the second half of, or in the first half of this year. I have to say, so fair play to them. Yes, uh, yeah, I enjoyed this a lot. Very good, very good professional wrestling. Yeah, I li- yeah, I think I think as far as Adam Cole in AW goes, obviously I've been a little bit. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like Adam Cole hasn't significantly, and not even significantly, but he hasn't changed at all since he's come in from what he was for the, the past five years in, in NXT. I feel like, I don't know, maybe he should cut his hair, you know, become a manager, change his name to Budge. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, something, some, do something slightly differently. Just, you know, he doesn't have to quite be Chris Jericho. He's, he's got a new nickname every two weeks but something just changed something up changed the look up a little bit change you come out you did the boom thing adam cole baby da, 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 you know all that all that shit that's that's over brother as the rock would say yeah 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 i love all that show but like i would like for adam cole to to make some slight change just to keep it fresh because more so than anybody else i'm burnt out on him and that's true you know no fault of his own Apart from the fact that he hasn't done anything different for the last five years, I've seen him. Uh, but I think this is probably the best showing he's had so far since he's come to AEW. Um, obviously, the the Hangman matches were were the the bigger, flashier occasions. But mm. you know, sometimes I prefer just a simple old wrestling mm. match. I found this, you know, more deeply satisfying than either of the Hangman matches. I must yeah. Say. I was pretty low on those. I was pretty low on those. Yeah, certainly the second one. 
Uh, up next, we got CM Punk versus Johnny Hungy, the meat man. I love every time Jim Ross says Johnny Hung. It's like, yeah, it's like a little, it's like the same energy when he would do those Skittles ads. <laughs> uh, like, oh, the meaty, 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 meat man. You know, um, you know, another, uh, 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 so yeah, another one of these matches where they were milking the, uh, the hometown crowd, John Silver. New Yorker, yeah. CM Punk came out. I like the fact that they've now, like, even outside of the MJFU, they've just, like, cemented that CM Punk is a heel in this town. I think it's really fun. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like the parallels with the old WWF in Canada stuff. Yeah. That Long Island is their, uh, you know, bizarro world where the heels are baby faces. The baby faces are heels. Oh, they need to have Ward, Excalibur say, oh, bizarro world. Oh, what the hell? We're like we're in bizarre world here, quite frankly. Um, and that was good. And if you told me that CM Punk was going to do a buckshot lariat, it would look <laughs> way worse in my head than it looked in, uh, on this show. And he, it wasn't pretty. He just about got away with it. It was, just it was all right. It. it was all right. Um, yeah, I don't know that I, I totally buy the Hangman Punk feud. Hangman seems to have gone from zero to sixty in terms of being a very angry man. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. um, I would like a bit more context to that. Maybe they could have played in a little bit to the the Omega story where he was the underdog who wasn't quite sure of himself. Now he's, you know, that that role is kind of being foisted upon him, and maybe he could like you know rebel against that. That like you know now you people think I can't do it when I'm the one who believes, which is a, a reversal of what it was before. But it seems like that context hasn't properly been communicated. He just seems that he's, for no real reason, very angry at CM Punk. Yeah. Um, I, 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 hmm. I like it, but I do kind of feel like it's like, it, it, it's not, it doesn't feel legitimately heated. It does kind of feel like they're putting on their angry voices for the pay-per-view a little hmm. bit. Um, but this I think in isolation, where, the promos were both good. This is where a little five minute video package where they do the talking heads of like Hangman and Punk, where they give a little bit more context <laughs> into why those characters are feeling and acting the way they are. I think that might be useful for this one. Because again, this is supposed to be your, and this has been the hallmark of the Hangman title run. This is your main event feud. Keep that in mind. This is your pay per view main event. Doesn't feel like it. Uh, well, I I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it doesn't feel like the main event. Uh, I, I don't know what's bigger on this show than, than Punk Hangman. Well, we'll get to the segment that was oh. bigger than Punk Well, no, it's, hang on. It's right next. Hang on. Um, Danhausen <laughs> versus Tony Nese. Uh, this is a this is a pro Danhausen podcast now. Uh, yeah, his to, music, his music is, so is great. He comes out in his cape. He's got a great video. He's like, oh yeah, wow, oh, I'm going to win the match now. <laughs> it's great. Um, uh, and uh, uh, he's he's announced that like three hundred pounds, the old Crash Holly gimmick, which is yeah. great. Um, and then and then Tony Nese just kills him, which was also great. That was great. Uh, well, he got distracted. He got distracted. That was the that was the most I've enjoyed Tony Nese possibly ever. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know that you want you know Danhausen to be a complete joke, but um, um, I think you do a bit. <laughs> I, I think it's fine. It, it certainly works from the point of view of he, him being in a team with Hook, Hook being the destroyer of worlds. 
But um, yeah, I, I'm hoping that this is is kind of more of a well. He got distracted and taken advantage of. Then he is a goof who gets beaten extremely handily by Tony Nese of all people. Yeah, um, he's a better wrestler than that. I think. Uh, I was I I know it was an easy call, but I think I did mention last week that my prediction was that Hook would not be in his corner as he asked, but oh, would yeah. come down and make the save yeah. to rapturous applause afterwards, which is yeah, indeed yeah. what happened. Um. I would have liked, and I know you know. I know it's it's building to the pape. I would have liked Hook to have like fucked up Nice and, and Sterling here. Oh, brother, you you rushing? I know you got to you got to you got to make, make him pay for the buy-in. Slow down, slow down. Well, you're not paying for it it's on the buy-in yeah. anyway. So, but um, you know when when I see Hook coming out to make the save, when I see when when. But the the rock can't even get up. Uh, Triple H gonna give him the pedigree of Backlash two thousand. Pierce Paris and Briscoe and <laughs> When Steve Austin is coming out for the save on Backlash two thousand, I don't want that the heels disperse and he doesn't touch anybody. I want him to give him stutters and chair shots. This isn't Backlash two thousand. This is Raw. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then the Rock stands up and he goes, "Ah, I see you." Steve Austin shakes his hand and Shane McMahon just collapses. <laughs> That's why his punches are still bad. Oh. I know. I I know. Look, I know. I nitpick a lot of time, and I know in this case I am not right. <laughs> but you know, I just have that thing in me. When Hook comes out, I want to see him fuck people up. You know, yeah, okay. Maybe they, maybe the fact they didn't do it, didn't do it here makes me want it even more. That's, oh, that's really how that's how you do wrestling. Hungry for but, Hulk Carlson. Uh, I want to see Hook fucking throwing people and choking them. Anyway, up anyway. next we got the oh. Wardlow MJF contract yeah. signage. I had, to, I had, I, I had to applaud during this. It this was, so good. was pretty phenomenal. We had uh, Wardlow coming out with the Boo Wardlow Titan Tron, which was pretty good. <laughs> Um, and then the fake dark side of the ring segment, oh, tremendous, yeah. replete with the actors playing MJF and oh, Punk in the little video. That bits. was great. Oh my god, it was so well done. It was so well done. Perfect. Jericho on narration as well. Perfect. Yeah, it was. Perfect. It doesn't get much better than that. It was. It was one of the funniest things in wrestling in yeah. ages. But pays off specifically if you watch Dark Side of the Ring. Yes. Yeah, you know, if it, it's like when you watch Simpsons when you're young, it, it's very funny. But if you don't get the references, mm. you know, it adds another layer when you watch it as an adult. You go, "Oh, what a subtle reference to uh, you know a few good men <laughs> or something." You're like, "Oh, that's really clever and really funny." Um, yeah, and then they had the old MJF as the baby face came out in the came out. He was he was uh, fist bumping the fans. I, do you know what I would have liked? Maybe it would have been a bit on the nose. It's another Paul Griffin. The CM Punk jump into the crowd. Yeah. Well, he did. Yeah, I know what you mean, though, because he kind of did the thing with the with the fans. He did yeah. the lean against. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. Jumping um, up and down. And I, I like the line, I think it was Shivani said, when he leant into the crowd, MJF would turn his back on every one of those fans, <laughs> given the chance. <laughs> uh, I thought that was that was very clever. Um, yeah. Because that's, that's kind of the... The charm of, you know, obviously you had the Brett in Canada, but Brett in Canada was a proper babyface. Mm. MJF in Long Island, on the drop of a hat, he would turn his he's back. Still a, yeah, he's still a heel. He's still very <laughs> heelish. Um, yeah. yeah, oh, this was a great segment. 
But like the Wardlow didn't speak. They didn't like say whatever in it. They didn't give him the chance. Yeah, they booed. Yeah, yeah. And you want to let Wardlow speak? No, no. Okay. <laughs> okay, you're not speaking. Um, as far as like that stuff was all perfect from the boo Wardlow, as Barry mentioned. Yeah. The dark side of the ring. Um, you know, MJF is as the heel baby face. Mm-hmm. All perfect. Uh I still a little bit feel like the stipulations were not necessarily enough for MJF to have suddenly granted him the match. Instead of just yeah. keeping him as a handcuffed guy, comes out and wrestles a match and gets immediately carried off. You know, I like the parallels with the Cody feud because it's just exactly the Cody feud again, and they mm-hmm. made reference to that. Oh, it's, yeah. the, it's the it's the ten lashes. It's the cage match, which was with Wardlow originally for Cody. Yeah. Um, but it reminds uh, me of so the the labors of Jericho, which wasn't actually that long ago. Yeah. Uh, rest, which which is kind of more difficult to your point. Like it it seems quite easy for him to get the match compared to what yeah. Jericho had to do to to get the match. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, you know. I'm looking forward to it anyway. I'm sure it'll be it'll be good. Yeah. You made reference to the American roller coaster. Ooh, yeah. His friend Cody Rhodes. He made reference to twenty twenty four, which seems to be a hot topic at the moment. Yes. Um I for the record will predict. I know we don't do our predictions until for another year and a half. Uh, I predict he will indeed uh remain with AEW. Oh, Okay, that's my prediction. That's my prediction. I hope for AEW's sake he does. I feel like it's it's probably not worth talking about until we. Get, it, it is farcical to me that this is being debated two years in advance. Yeah. Um. But he is he's making sure it's in the news. You know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense from his point of view to play the sides against each other. He's old. Um. Oh, what was it? Uh. Oh, I don't remember. I, I watched something recently where someone was playing one side against Pillman. It, it, Pillman. Oh, it's 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 very literally peeling. If only he can talk and fool Tony Khan into releasing him now. Oh, that'd be great. Come on, brother. It'll, the the fans will really believe it if you release me. Oh, I'm gone now. Um, but yeah, I mean the ten the ten lashes. Okay, fair enough. Spears in a cage doesn't doesn't strike me the same mm, way as yeah. as Wardlow in the cage did for the Cody. Story. Yeah, yeah. Um, with MJF as the ref, fair enough. I assume we're gonna get a. A Steve Austin, Vince McMahon style, counts the pin. He counted the pin with MJF's hand after he gave him a power bomb or something. Um, and then he said, "I can't sign this contract. I got my handcuffs on." And MJF said, "Well, you take your handcuffs off." And I liked immediately. Spears and and Sterling gave him the look, and he said, "I know what I'm doing. Let the handcuffs off." And of course, he didn't know what he was doing. And Wardlow proceeded to hit some of the. Stiffest looking right yeah. hands I've seen in quite a while. <laughs> Fucked them up. Um, so we, we got a brief glimpse back at one of the pillars of AW, uh, Wardlow killing security. Um, very, very fun. And then Powerbomb starting through the table. Great segment. It was great. The best. It was it was akin to a perfect segment, one might say. <gasps> Randy Orton and Seamus again. Yeah. Uh, up next, we had the Jungle Boy challenging for the FTW Championship against Ricky Starr. Remember Jungle Boy? Well, yeah. Um, just about. Just about, yeah. Not uh, not bowled over by the um, 
by the uh, the Lucha Express tag reign currently, but as and ever. Um, they had a very fun match. Not too much to say about it. I thought it was really, really good. Um, um, uh, the Strickland came in to like prevent some antics, but in the in the craziness, the ref got distracted. Um, yeah. uh, 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 so he missed a, a visual pin uh, from Jungle Boy. And Rochambeau. Ricky Starks won the Rochambeau. Good, solid like mid-card TV match. I will note that for the second pay-per-view cycle in a row... Jurassic Express are the third team in a two-team feud match. Yeah. yeah. And we're still drawing out this uh, Christian is is uh, is saying, Jungle Boy, I'm going to kill you. Your enemies. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so we're still doing that. Yeah. Uh, we got the Jericho Appreciation Society victory speech. I can't remember what they were doing a victory speech for. I guess throwing a fireball for, for having killed Kingston and Ortiz and Santana. And as usual, Matt Menard was the highlight mm-hmm. uh, eyes popping like eighties ultimate warrior. Uh, so He's the, the best, their victory speech was briefly, uh, um, um, uh, uh, was cut off fairly quick by the Blackpool combat club. Mm, who uh, yes. came down all business and then Jericho was like, ha, you fools, I still have the numbers game. And then uh, uh, Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful uh, yeah. came out and they had a big, big brawl with uh, William Regal getting one shot in on Jericho for good yes. measure, which was a nice touch. Good reaction from the crowd. And Kingston had the big makeup on. Yes. Where he got fireballed, even though they showed again the slow motion. Of the fireball not hitting. Missing him by a mile. Yeah, very safe, but sure, whatever. <laughs> You're showing that. They should have done the thing from a couple of years ago. Where, remember when TNA did the fireball angle, but then Spike was like, you can't, you can't show that on yeah. television. And so they did the, the, the Martin A was like, we can't show you this. So here's like the, here's, here's, here's uh, uh, James Storm going like this, raising his hand and then a black screen. And then here's Jeff Hardy's face smoking. Um, You know, very weird. They should have done that. But anyway. Uh, this seems to set up perhaps some sort of blood and guts match, maybe five on five. You know, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, although I don't know when. I presume I don't know if they'll, they, they'll hardly have time to do that on the pay per view, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, yeah. We got the. Well, they do have a, a th- three year anniversary show coming up as well. Oh yes, actually they do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be a good because they did pre-pandemic they were planning to do Blood and Guts and then it got then the pandemic happened. Mm. Uh yeah. so maybe they can finally do it uh in I think it was Rochester. I think it was the Brody Lee debut show they were planning to do it in. Um, but anyway. Well they did the one where Jericho got They did they, they did one and other than the finish, that was a really good match. So yeah. Uh speaking of a really good match, there was the Owen Hart women's tournament quarterfinals, Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm. I thought this was really good. Uh Jamie Hayter still very underrated, real the the solid hand of the division. I think it's fair mm-hmm. to say. And uh, Tony Storm looked great. I mean, I, I I've seen Tony Storm a lot in the Indies, and she's always that kind of person who comes in with a lot of hype. And the match is always just kind of like a hair below you where you want it to be. But I thought this was like really really solid, really good stuff. Um, so she advanced over over Jamie Hayter. Yeah, very good. Good, solid wrestling. Not a single person jumped off a ladder. <laughs> uh, you know, through uh, fucking the world. Um, but we did have 
Darby Allen, my, my new little mate over there, and Jeff Hardy in a uh, kill yourself sprint gimmick match. Yes, this was only like 10 minutes, um, which is mental considering what they did in this. Of which six minutes were spent setting up ladders. Yeah. Uh, jumping on things, lying on the floor. Uh, listen, it was exactly what I wanted. I didn't want them to go in and work the leg. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Work the leg by destroying it by jumping off a ladder, you know. Um, <laughs> work your own back, brother. That's the, the new stuff. Uh, the Derby Swanton thing was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, Jeff Hardy going back to the fucking impact stairs spot, which I thought he'd never do again in his life. <laughs> yeah. And Darby with the coffin drop on the apron as well, which they didn't even, they didn't even show that spot in the replay. Yeah. Yeah. Boring. Well, with the ring, boring. Well, you not enough. For? <laughs> who cares about that? Um, yeah. And, uh, Jeff won with the, uh, the crucifix. So I guess the, the crucifix is like Darby's Achilles heel, I guess. Cause he always loses. Yeah, I mean, they did that spot in the first match as well. The Adam Cole, Dax match. They also did the crucifix and they kicked out of it. Yeah, so I thought it was strange. Well, it's it's that. like Cody beat him with it before, and you know, I remember. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it was like an intentional bit of storytelling, but there was like this is fucking. I don't even know if Jeff Hardy fucking remembers this, but it was like the the Triple H match where Triple H pinned him with that. You know, yeah, yeah it's a spot of some significance in both. Well, definitely. Jeff didn't. Yeah, Jeff didn't. Um, he didn't quite give uh, Darby the uh, gotcha kid. Yeah. Uh, he, he didn't quite do the thing right well Darby you hit me with your finish right but then I just <laughs> sort of am smarter than you and it doesn't really hurt me anyway so and then I just pin you um, uh, better look next time raging for you um, yeah. not quite that but anyway um, very good very very fun I don't want to see these lads doing that anymore though. no yeah I, I, especially Jeff Hardy I'm like okay you, you've had one last great one of those please stop you are 45 you know um, I think I think for even Darby, like, fair enough. You know, for the pay per view, you do a pay per view match, you do a crazy match, whatever. For this like quarter final of a tournament, you can you can do the old house show match, brother. You don't need to be killing yourself every chance you get. Because I really like Darby, and I don't want him to be badly hurt on one of these. So just you know, take it a little bit easier. You know, the old. Uh, the old hands backstage should pull him aside and say, you know, brother, work smart, not hard, dude. As exciting as it is. Um, yeah. So uh, that was Dynamite. Um, next week is Wild Card Wednesday. We've got Brit versus the Joker, and we've got uh, Samoa Joe versus the Joker. Two Jokers. The multiverse of Jokers. <laughs> Who's facing Jared Leto? Who's facing Joaquin Phoenix? Uh, anyway, uh, Rampage was mostly a good breezy show till the was, end. I, I don't know how many more of these Rampages I can do. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think they're at the point where I, I would skip them. But, like, we had a couple of weeks there okay, where TK course. was like, ooh, 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 exciting, exciting. Watch Rampage. No, for real, watch Rampage. And now we're kind of back to... Is, uh, Sean Spears against... Bobby the Bear. Yeah, there was, yeah, Spears beat one of the Bear Country lads, whatever. Death Triangle versus Butcher Blade and Mark Quinn was okay, but again, if it was a Dynamite match, I probably would have forgot to mention it in that episode of Dynamite with all the other great stuff yeah. on it. Um, I did really like Ruby Soho and Rio. Rio's um, on a good little run. Since Rio, is, uh, Rio is great. 
like Rio and Jamie Hayter are the two most like underrated people in the company. I think I think I think I said this last week. If Rio was willing to live in the US and be a fixture in the division, she should be. I mean, they're crazy if if she if if she's available to that and they don't want to use her. I think that's crazy. I think she's great. Um, yeah. You had um, the best thing of the night then, which was well, two of the best things of the night. We had the acclaimed with uh, the ass boys. <laughs> Yeah, uh, coming up with their new hand signal, <laughs> which will never not get a pop from me. I did that to um, Natty today, by the way. I bet you thought that was hilarious. Yeah, well, I gave her the old. <laughs> she put it up, and I gave her the old Hong Kong of the week. Um, she, she was crying with laughter. I don't think she even got the reference, or crying because she was upset because you were being the acclaimed. Maybe I did do a, a, a absolutely stonking battle rap on her. Oh, when I walked into owned, well. absolutely owned, Natty. Oh my god! Um, and then the long-awaited return. This was even better than you know when Stone Cold came back at Backlash 2000 and hit people with a chair. Is when Jade Cargill said, "Tony, cut the cut shit." The shit. Yes. Yeah. Then, but then he goes, Jade, I can't cut the shit. Because I got this. Because we got business to talk about. <laughs> Doesn't uh, matter. They're, they're, they're throwing curveballs at you, lads. You don't know what's going to happen next. I thought uh, I thought he was going to cut the shirt, but then he didn't yeah. cut the no, shirt. He didn't. And then he's like, "I'm challenging you for the TBS title." <laughs> um, no, so the, he started to run down the the Owen Hart thing, and he there was a little mini story here again. It kind of overshadowed by the MJF stuff. Tony goes. Hikaru Shida got hurt in the street fight and she's out of the Owen and replacing her is this woman and out comes new Chris Statlander with her blue hair and her mm. you know her she's her new Chris Statlander get up right and so they're doing they're doing Red Velvet and Chris Statlander next week on Rampage and then Hikaru Shida went on Twitter and was like what <laughs> I was like what's happening what's this that's the first time hearing about it I'm hurt. Um, she was like, I'm, I've had matches in Japan, and this is the first I'm hearing of it. And then and then she put out a, a note after it was like, oh, yeah, I'm hurt. <laughs> it was like, no, she said, she said, I, I got hurt in the thing. I'm fine now. But apparently they needed some medical thing, and I can't get back into the country for that. Yeah. So. Some, yeah. some real convoluted explanation. I think she's working on, like, a musical or something at the moment. Cause she, if you look at her... Um, cage match or whatever it is that the match tracking she's having matches that are like an hour and a half long but i think it's like a performance thing for some oh, musical kind of in like, japan okay yeah weird um yeah so I, I, i'm not sure where the miscommunication was there that seems like a, a fairly easy thing to say look while you're away we're gonna say you're injured because you had that to be fair match where you got beaten pretty badly mm. by serena in the street fight don't worry about it. We're just gonna say we're just gonna say you're injured. You get you have a big return, da, 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 and we'll put Chris on everything. But for some reason, that got lost in the shuffle, and she never yeah. knew about it. I mean, to be honest, I, I it's weird that like I mean, not weird. It made sense that she'd be in it, but it 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 wasn't great optics for a company that usually books quite well to have her like qualify and then suffer like a huge loss to to Serena, you know. Um, who then is getting a title shot, but she is in the 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 cup, you know. Um, so yeah, other other than the miscommunication aspect of it, I think it actually kind of makes sense to swap her out. Let's get Statlander yeah, in. Let's heat Statlander up, you know. 
Yeah, and I don't want to be Vince McMahon um, fucking killing the unions or anything, but I don't know that Sheeta would necessarily need to come out on Twitter. Surely she could have contacted someone in the company and yeah. asked about it, you know? But I imagine she she was as shocked as we were. And I know, but she has contacts where she can find out about it. <laughs> Instead of going to the old twitter.com and being like, what, WTF? Um, yeah. That then took us to the main event, uh, which, Look, you know. No matter how good this match was, I just can't get into how badly they've killed this title. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought it was a I, solid I, match, but yeah, I agree. Sorry. You know. We need we need Claudio Castagnoli to be one of the Jokers. Come in, win that tournament, win the TNT title, keep it for six months, beat everyone. Restore it to song yeah, for my glory. You're right. Not even anybody. They just need to get it away from Scorpio, away from Sammy. Because since Sammy won it, I know at the time we were very surprised by him beating Mira on that random rampage, whatever it was. Mira was apparently hurt or something. I don't know. But that was the night you can pinpoint the exact moment my heart break watching them kill that title, kill it dead. Because nothing since has been pretty much any good the cody cody ladder match fair enough but like feud wise sammy has never felt like a deserving champion in a sense and scorpio even less a scorpio sky christ i can't believe they put the belt on him what a one no hope <laughs> i like if i was in charge certainly with frankie maybe with scorpio certainly with frankie frankie Kazarian's contract is up he's one of the ones who's gone they must be paying him nothing to keep him around. <laughs> he must be paying them to work for them. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and then this was the main event. Like, yeah, fair enough. It was fine. But like, all I feel watching this these TNT title matches is like, oh, remember the TNT title when it was so good? When it was yeah. as good as the world title. It was like, when it was as good as the world title. And even the world, all the titles are bad now. Except TBS. Well, not, except TBS. not to say all the titles are bad. All the champions are bad now. Uh, yeah, let's let's cut Paige a bit of slack. Come on now. No, I'm not going to cut Paige a bit of slack. I don't think Paige is bad. I mean, I think he should lose. Don't get me wrong, but he's, you know. He's had no story. Pa- but Paige's champion is, is when CM Punk held the belt for a year and was never actually the, in the main event. That is, that's, yeah, that's a uh, that's a good comparison, to be fair. Um, yeah, it's, just, um, it's all about Jade Cargo. You got, you got Jurassic matter. Express, Scorpio Sky. Okay, Hangman is not on that level, to be fair. Yeah, be nice. Jurassic guy. Express, do nothing with the tag belts for the last six months. Scorpio Sky and Sammy trading the back and forth like it's nothing. I forgot Thunderosa was even having a match against uh, Serena Deeb until they showed the graphic this week. I was like, oh yeah, I remember Thunderosa won the championship and they did nothing with her. Yeah. Now Jade, yeah. Jade's, Jade is the only one who... Um, in my mind, is like elevating the title or making the title seem as important as it should. That's just me. Uh, anyway, this ended with a, a, a fucking goofy ass <laughs> heel turn, whatever. Sammy's the fa- oh, God, Christ, I can't be bothered. Wow. Enough. It sucked. Yeah. All righty. I thought the whole thing sucked. I, I, I did think the. The, it was very stupid, typical pro wrestling thing where you, you actually, I don't like you, Kaz. I'm like, what's the last few weeks been then? I thought they were building them up mm. as like tweeners at least, 
do you know I always no. love when a plan comes together Barry especially a plan mm-hmm. that makes you less interested in the TV but like especially, the but then plan. like but it's like but they're still going with the Sammy feud then as well but it's like if you're gonna if you want them to go back Everyone hate Sammy it's like if you want them to go back heel eventually, that's fine. But surely, shouldn't you finish the Sammy feud and then do your little Kazarian thing where you go, okay, by the way, we're still heels? Like yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm with Joe. As like I was saying during the week, is like I don't, I don't really like the idea of regressing. I think you should always go forward story wise. But I would just love Miro to come back and just like kill them both, win the title. And just bring the white belt back and just forget all of that shit and let's do a reset. I miss, I miss Miro. I miss Miro so much. But I think Claudio would be a great reset as well for that title. Um, So fingers crossed. She demands pleasure. He demands pain. (laughs) Oh, second. Why you bring in Claudio? Are you test me? (laughs) God's favorite coffee. Oh, um, I want Miro back. Please, God, bring him back. I, well, listen, if they do our plan where they bring Claudio Castagnoli in, he wins the title, he's champion for six months, then they bring Miro back for the big face-off. That'd be great. God. It's mad, because Miro, when he first came in, what a dude he was. and Fuck, he was so good. And then he became the, the best. Anyway. And, uh, what was Do we remember what happened to him? He lost to Sammy, and then apparently he had some degree of, of minor injury He's cleared, and the last report I read was that they were waiting for a proper storyline reason to bring him back. Lads, you have a reason. But I think and the reason is more this shit storyline. More substantial than save the TNT title, you know. That's substantial, guys. Yeah. Anyway. That's more substantial than half the storylines you got going, is save these fucking titles. Anyway, so are we all getting together to watch Ric Flair's last match anyway? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have my pants down at the ready. Uh, <laughs> Flare flopping. To, to salute my, bl- my razor blade in my uh, wrist tape. <laughs> yeah. tw- 21 blade salute. Oh. <laughs> God, you just look like Edward Scissorhands. You know? <laughs> anyway. oh, I'd love him to do the old um, bump off the top rope. He, he will turn to dust. Yeah, One just like Ram Jam, just, brother. Just Thanos' yeah. midair. Just to, you know, just to <laughs> see him again. <laughs> what a poetic end to the career you know yeah uh, anyway we'll wrap that up there it's been a bumper show here uh this week thank you everyone for listening we hope you had a good show we hope you have a good week ahead of you if you want to contribute to the show you want to pop us a mail chairshoppodcast.com is the place you can go to do that little form on there you can just fill out just pop us over a thing yeah. feedback easy. question query quiz wrestling take anything else you want to talk about so with all that said thank you very much for listening we'll talk to you next week it's goodbye from me barry it's goodbye from joe goodbye it's goodbye from Paul. goodbye goodbye